Yeah, save, save that for your rage quit. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. All right, so I've hit the live button. I'm waiting for the green light to come up on YouTube here. All right, Rob Inman says, hello. Uh, hold on, folks. Kiss the next four hours of your life goodbye. Cue broken soundboard. <laughs> this train wreck is about to start. <laughs> All right. watch a show before. Ah, okay. We've got a subject matter expert in our audience here, I see. All right, well, we're live. The light is green. The faces are shining and bright here in the panel. It is time to start the... Um, Hmm, let's see if this is the right button here. Have have we? No, that is not the have right. Have we button. lowered our standards yet? Uh, have we lowered our standards? It really depends on what your camera is focusing on. There, Richard Lorbieski. We're not looking oh. at your sack or anything, are we? No, no, that's okay. that's my USB camera. <laughs> All right, let's see if we have the right button here. <laughs> Some might say yes. <laughs> Let's try this button right here. All right. The train wreck is about to begin. Let's go. Nick Morota's in the audience. This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Streaming live on YouTube and Roku, available as a podcast, and enjoyed the world over. And now, here's your host. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Coco Talk, episode 79, the world's leading train wreck that appears before you live each week. We have got a wonderful show lined up for you. We've got a really big show. We've got a great live audience already out here with us. We've got Ken Reichert, most well-known as being the brother of Jason Reichert. Um, we've got Rob Inman out here. We've got Chad Cunnington, who is Nick's neighbor. We've got Al Hartman, Curtis Boyle, Rob Inman, Tim Franklin is here. Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Nick Morota is here. Solstice is here. Al Hartman is here. Nick Morota is here. Chad is here from Australia. So we got a couple of Aussies here who are at 4 a.m. right now, DEFCON 4 a.m. in Australia. Thank you guys for being here so late or so early, depending on your perspective. Uh, we've also got with us in the live panel, we've got Ron Delvaux and Mission Control, making sure the world is safe from alien invaders. Thank you, Ron, for running Space Force X for us. Good, we've got from, uh, Davey Mitchell just joined us. Uh, we have uh, from O Canada, we've got L Curtis Boyle. For those of you who don't speak Spanish, that is the Curtis Boyle. Uh, buenas tardes to you, senor. Uh, we have Hello, with hey. us legendary game designer. <laughs> A guy who always says... Thank uh, you. Yes, you're too kind. And thank you. We have got Mr. Rick Adams with us this afternoon. Hello, Rick. How are you? Uh He's only a legend in his own mind. Thank you, thank you. You're <laughs> too kind. Oh, <my laughs> God. Yeah, the kindness is all yours, sir. Uh, we've got with us from Down Under, we've got Nicholas Morentes. Good day, Nick. Good day, everyone. <laughs> we have with us, as seen at PenFest 99 and 2000 at CorksCon, Hamvention, CocoFest 2018, maker of the Switcheroo and brother of Ken Reichard, we've got Jason the Coco Man Reichard with us today. 
Coco Talk, take only as directed. (laughs) (laughs) If Coco Talk lasts for more than four hours, please consult your physician. We have got with us Mr. Nice Guy himself from Boisson Technologies, Mr. Richard Lorbieski is with us. Good afternoon, Richard. Yeah, still here. Where's the reset button? (laughs) (laughs) Last but certainly not least, the madman, Simon Jonasson is with us. Hello, Simon. He's also competing with David Ladd these days with floppies. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's our new floppy master, huh? So, all right. So we're here. It's another week. Um, we have a in, we have a, an intense itinerary, a very detailed and thorough plan for what we're going to talk about today. And uh, what's the topic, guys? <laughs> and and that part's done. So on to the next. Caller computer. Sorry, I must the, have the wrong link on. <laughs> we got Al Hartman from Jersey in the house. How you doing, Al? Nick Marota's here. Uh, we're here. We're all here. Davey Mitchell's here. David Mitchell. Uh, so we've got some Dragon representation here too. Some UK representation. We got Europe. We've got Canada. We've got Australia. We've got Jersey. I think all the bases have been covered. We have uh, a Roku update. We have a Roku update. And what's that? We are on Roku. We are on Roku. So according to Mission Control, sorry, this just in, my producer in the booth has told me we're live on Roku. Thank you, Rondell Vo. Uh, <laughs> these are the important things that, you know, make life worth living. So, <laughs> so I'll tell you what I've done in the Coco Hobby this week. Two things, Jack and Squat and Jack left town. I've done nothing Coco all week long. I've been a Coco slacker. Anyone yeah. else done better than me this week? I think Jack visited me because I did the big thing. You know, Simon's been busy. Simon's been showing us some pictures of madness, some disc loading and whatnot. Uh, Ron Delvo, you been on, been on Facebook at all this week, Ron? I have um, <laughs> a couple of times, once or twice. And um, yeah. in fact, I just uh, did a picture last night of uh, Uranus and. Uh, <laughs> Successfully posted. Isn't that getting a little bit personal there, Ron? Yeah. <laughs> Observatory Facebook group. Yes. If you're interested sometime, you can go look at Uranus. If anybody wants to uh, see maybe, pictures maybe of... Maybe yours, but not mine, okay? <laughs> well, you just offended Simon Jonasson right off the screen. Talks so. Ago, so. <laughs> Next week, I'll have the full colonoscopy on there. But oh, yeah. I did, I did take a picture of the moon also, but uh, Uranus <laughs> always gets uh, a little bit more um, um Ron's on after dark already. Yeah. Uh, Al Hartman says, I tested a bunch of Coco 2s prior to start listing them on eBay. Okay, so that's Al Hartman's uh, week in the Coco hobby. Uh, Coco 2. Coco 2. Le Coco 2. (laughs) Coco 2 de Radio Shack. Uh, That's about the only part of that song I know. Oh, and uh, for David Ladd, here is uh, eight... Uh, MPI slots in view. <laughs> <laughs> They're what's, all on one cocoa, though. So what's, no. da- what's what's David been up to lately? Oh, I'm much happier breaking stuff. <laughs> Thanks, David. <laughs> uh, we just we just heard from David Ladd. There, I heard a little bit of uh... David Ladd. <laughs> 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 oh. uh, we're well oiled today, aren't we? Oh, we are. Uh, Nick Morentes, you've been banging away at the keyboard on uh, Funstar for us lately. <laughs> no, no. Uh, the only, what I've been doing is uh, just uh, creating my uh, map editor for Gunstar. So that's where I um, 
I have a series of tiles, uh, background tiles I uh, create. And uh, this allows me to just ar arrange them and define the background texture that you'll see scrolling down the screen. Mm -hmm. So that's just a little basic programmer utility. So I've just about finished writing the program. So I'm about to be artistic and start laying out the tiles and come up with some background for it. Do you uh, know how big your map's going to be? Like, have you got a plan as to how much before uh, it repeats? I haven't calculated because I'm... It can be as as large as I allocate RAM, but I'm um, trying to see how how big it would be if I allocate an 8K memory block. Um, how big the the map would be? I, I might need to allocate two or three or whatever. But yeah, I'm trying to keep it um, compact as well. So I'll, I'll work it out while while we're on the show. I can probably uh, I might be able to announce it later. Okay. It's not hard okay. To work out. All right, well, we got a couple of questions in the live chat about are we going to have an assembly segment today because the next assembly segment was going to get into some code demonstrations. And today, much to all of our dismay, we are not going to have a, an, an a segment in assembly language. Steve Bjork was unable to get all of his material prepared for us. And so we will not have um, lesson 11 in assembly. However, we have plenty of people here in the panel who know a thing or two about assembly. So maybe we could still get some assembly knowledge and wisdom to be passed around. Um, but another question that I believe Nick Morota was asking in the um, in the live chat was, how does Long Branch never work, and and do you have to have Mame installed? And so to answer some of your questions, Nick, well, Long Branch never is designed to very quickly launch programs directly into VCC. But there is a batch file that you can modify, and um, I have modified that batch file to have the ability to output to VCC, MAME, and XROAR. So there are just different um, arguments you do when you launch that command script. So you type in SM space the name of your source code space the name of the emulator, and it will launch it and, and mount it or push it over to um, whatever emulator you want. So and I've tested all three emulators, and it works in all of them. So technically, you can use it with any emulator. However, the um, Lesson one shows you specifically how to install it and get it working with VCC because that's the one that takes the least amount of work to hit the ground running as far as just getting an emulator up. Um, so hopefully, um, hopefully that answers your question, Nick Morota. And the links to all that stuff are in that video. So if you go over to um, Paul Fiscarelli's channel for the Long Branch Never, the first episode really walks you through setting that up. And Speaking of VCC, has there been any updates on the guy that's been doing the changing it to be cross-platform and updating it, fixing bugs, et cetera. I know he posted some stuff a few weeks ago, but I haven't had a chance to keep caught up. Mm, I'm not sure. The only one I saw was a little while ago, um, Mark Overholzer had shared a link where he showed how he was using SDL. And so he had it outputting to two windows at once where he had the Windows graphics engine and the SDL graphics engines kind of simulcasting on the screen. So he was showing he could port the graphics engine over to the more open source um, API or whatever you want to call it. Um, okay. So yeah, I'm, I, my plan was before this show that we're on right now started, I was hoping to finish the next chapter of Long Branch Never. And I just spent too much time playing Minecraft, so I just didn't have time to do that. So priorities, right? So um, I did start watching it this morning. It's a long episode. It's a, like a little over an hour. So I didn't have time to really properly devote my um, brain power to it. So I'll try to do that this weekend. Um, 
And I'm going to start on the book. I'm going to start. I've got the Barden book right here. It's right in front of my screen. It's right here. So every time I sit down, it's here to remind me, dude, you got to start assembling, right? So I'm going to start learning, um, go through at least a chapter of the Barden book and see how I like it and then figure out how I'm going to translate that to a YouTube video. Uh, Solstice says, I wonder whether this only works with the machine language files or whether I can also specify a basic program file spec. Uh, are we talking about the uh, the Long Branch Never environment? Well, does anybody know if those if Tool Toolshed should let you push a basic program over too? Shouldn't it? Pretty sure it does. Yeah, never personally. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure you could push over basic with Toolshed too. However, the the batch file that Paul Fiscarelli set up is really geared towards assembly for the time being, but. I think it's probably it's probably able to be done. Uh, what else? Anybody do anything Coco related this week they want to share? Well, we, I've been doing the build up to Tandy assembly for the uh, switcheroos. Uh, ah. And uh, potential to have something new at Tandy assembly if uh, all goes well. Ooh, something new. That'd be cool. You mean a product that will actually work? <laughs> no, I think you're getting I think you're getting me confused with someone else. Yeah, yeah, because as far as I know, every switcheroo that was ever shipped never had to be reshipped. <laughs> Everybody got just one switcheroo cable. So, uh, hey, Grant, Greg is here. What's going on, Greg? Ladies and gentlemen, it's Grant Lady in Hot Pursuit. Greg, hey, do you hear us? How are you? I'm doing good. Yourself? Good. Hey, Grant, look in your rearview mirror. <laughs> All right. Law enforcement. So. <laughs> in the parking garage, even. He's, he's getting chased in the parking garage. Jesus, Grant. Easy on that pedal. <laughs> Maybe he thinks you're Canadian and you're bringing some illegal weed across the border. Yeah. Yep. Or some Tim Hortons. Smuggling Tim Hortons across state lines. <laughs> so what's the topic today, guys? That's a great question. We're still trying to figure that out. The topic was what we're going to do without Greg, but Greg showed up, so we're we're saved. They're back now. We're back with nothing to talk about. So. <laughs> <laughs> we have the no theme theme. <laughs> yes, I'm still here. Yeah. So yeah, we've had a couple weeks now without any Apple twos in the background since Mark Overholzer has been previously indisposed. Oh. So, yeah, we've been Apple-free for at least two weeks now. Um, I'm not sure how everybody feels about that. If anybody needs a moment of silence or a hug or anything like that. so No, we're finally <laughs> raising our standards. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, what do you got there? Oh, we have police activity. Commodore. Here. Commodore 64, personal computer. That's not the bread bin one, though, right? That's... Uh, is that a 64C? Yeah, that's a 64C, yeah. Was that the one that was overrun by ants for a period? Uh, no, that's a spare machine. The one that's okay. overrun by ants has been put in a safe place. <laughs> <laughs> it's in an ant-free zone. Yes, it is. And I'll tell you what, even, even though I cleaned it out, they kept crawling out for a couple of days afterwards because they were obviously stuck under the chips. Ah, Wow. And it really smelled because, you know, when ants get, like, freaked out, they put out pheromones and stuff. Mm, I did not know that. 
So it really, it reeked for days on end. Ant pheromones. So does that, does that mean like they were horny or something or what? Yeah. You sure that smell didn't have to do with the Commodore itself versus the uh, ant? <laughs> I think that's the show title, Ant Pheromones. Ant pheromones. Those <laughs> ants were getting all boned up over that SID chip. <laughs> Grinding their little antennas up against that chip there. All right. So... Uh, <laughs> ant pheromones i never knew an ant to have an odor but n now we know and knowing is half the battle so <laughs> hashtag horny ants rob inman says <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh dear god we've already gone straight into the uh crapper right there hey paul fiscarelli just joined us hey paulie it's paulie walnuts here everybody and we got Paulie, we got Petey, we got uh, Joey two times. Uh, got to get the papers, get the papers. Yeah, so we got everybody here. The good fellas are all with us. Grant Leedy's in hot pursuit. And uh, it's all good. So, Simon, you want to share with us, if either verbally or visually or anything else, some of the madness you've been working on, or is it still kind of under wraps? No, it's not under wraps as such. I mean, um, I, had, I had Ron DeVoe tested the other day. Ron, you tested the disc loader the other day, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, but since you tested the other day, I've actually rewritten it a couple of times. Um, yeah. Where I'm not relying on the the four-to-one interleave. I'm actually turning around saying, okay, well, yes, I might have a four-to-one interleave, but I'm taking so much time in between sectors playing music that I need to figure out a different interleave. So maybe I'm doing eight sectors in between each load so it's like half a half a track per sector or something just to get it kosher yeah to sync it with the 300 rpm yeah so basically half a half a track per sector to load with two voice music playing at 7.8 kilohertz this uh, sounds highly mathematical to me already my head's about ready to explode <laughs> yeah, well, Mike's exploded multiple times. <laughs> hey, uh, Richard Lorbieski, you still there? Yes. Okay, in the live chat, I'm not sure if you saw this, but Reggie Stration, I love that name, Reggie Stration, he says, listening to Coco Talk and trying to install the boomerang. Unfortunately, I do not have any tools to remove the RAM chips or clip caps. Are there any household tools that I can use to get this done? Uh, yeah. To remove the chips yeah. would be a, a small screwdriver. Yeah, like a jeweler screwdriver or something. Yeah, something like that. Uh, as far as clipping the caps... Toenail clippers worked for me. Yeah, toenail clippers would work. A pair of scissors on one leg. Yeah. A Coco Cat number one has joined us. I don't know if anybody else has any furry critters with them. So... How's Rocky doing, Jason? And is Rocky nearby? We don't have Mark here for any of his critters. Ron, Ron you got your critter with you by any chance, or is Pearl out somewhere else? Uh, no, she's outside with my wife. They're doing uh, All right. raking the stones. <laughs> raking the <laughs> stones? <laughs> yeah, we have stones over here. We don't have any grass. <laughs> it's, too ex it's too expensive to... Too expensive to uh, maintain grass in Arizona. Yeah, <laughs> raking the stones. Hey, Unless you're a golf course. This is a, another website called Redshift. Uh huh. And uh, wasn't that a Scott TV Carter. show? Wasn't it like a UK a, TV show? 
Yeah. You know, this has to do with, um, uh, he does uh, stuff with, um, you know, CTI, SETI. You yeah, know? Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. And he yeah, has a radio telescope. Okay. Ah, the red shift, blue shift stuff. I'd be happy just to find some terrestrial intelligence on certain days. So, <laughs> yeah, just so. days ending with Y. <laughs> All right, so this is a oh, there we go. There's a there's a kitty. Hello, kitty. So we got two cats. We are we're now at a two two cat show. All right. So this is a uh, SETI based um, website. Yeah, website. It's a website or is it a, a BBS? Yeah, I'm telnetting to it. You're telnetting to it. Okay. All right. And have you been able to hack into Area 51 and get any of the plans for the UFOs or anything like that? No, I tried to fudge it so it looks like he got one of those um, messages from Andromeda, but <laughs> <laughs> you know where do they put Wow next to it? Hmm. Yeah, the Wow signal. Yeah. Oh well. Never fudge with another man's signal. Yeah. <laughs> Words to live by. Okay. Yeah, this the, we have officially become an internet cat video now at this time. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I so have I've, been playing with my um, 386 in the uh, XT cab. Well, it's not an XT cabinet, is it? It could be an AT or XT case. It's kind of hard to yeah. see from this distance here, but yeah. yeah anyway, um, yeah, I, the battery was one of those tub things and I had to desolder it and I put a um, another battery on it but um, the connection came loose so it's you know you boot it up and you have to go through the BIOS and set it all up mm, ah yeah so like one of those little barrel looking batteries yeah yeah anyway I wonder, I wonder how hard it would be to put in one of those sockets to use one of the lithium batteries yeah or um, even they have those ones with where you can put the AA batteries in Ah. Anyway, it's not cocoa related, but well, it it would be if you booted up DOS and ran Jeff Vazasor's cocoa emulator. Yeah. <laughs> or you could log into OS nine with it and use it as a terminal. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So hopefully Reggie is going to get some some good advice here on how to not screw up his computer. Um. Just remember that. Uh, Always consult a physician before performing surgery on your color computer. Um, Grant, you do anything cocoa related this week? No, nothing for me this week. Just uh, wrapping up my last week of uh, working a lot of hours. So yeah, I'll Pretty be good. getting back into the swing of things here uh, next week. Excellent, excellent. Theoretically, that's going to happen with me too. I'll be out of work, but they keep saying that, and they keep. <laughs> well, it looks like we have some new activity in the Facebook. I didn't prepare news just because I didn't. But, yeah, we've got some new members in Facebook. There's some new activity. There's a handful of questions. As a matter of fact, you mentioned a question in the uh, mailing list this week, Curtis, but I, I think also came up. A similar question came up in Facebook. So what was the mailing list question? Like, does anybody still have their first cocoa, like their original cocoa? Yeah, the very first one they ever owned and what was it type thing. So we had people saying, you know, I had a Coco 1D board with 4K. I still have it. And other people, yeah. you know, started with a Coco 3 or whatever. I know in my personal case, I don't have my original 4K D board Coco. During one of my moves between two different apartment buildings, it actually got crushed and the circuit board literally cracked right in half. So Ooh. I had to toss that one. 
Here's ladies, my first computer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a... Uh, MC-10. <laughs> Ron Devo with the MC-10. Uh, yeah. This came later, but we started out upgrade. with 4K. Yeah. Yeah, Paul Fiscarelli's mentioning that Long Branch Never Part 2 has been posted. I actually started working on that this morning, Paul, but it was late in the day, and I didn't have time to really fully devote my brain cells to it. Okay, so here's Simon. So color computer do. Is this your original, Simon? Okay, so Simon's got his original Coco. Is that um, a lowercase one too? Yeah, it's a T1. It's a it's a Korean model. Originally a fancy one. But now I have my original Coco in the box. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah. I got rid of my original Coco when it was still my original because I had the sixteen K silver. And then when I got the 64K white, I ended up selling mine to a friend. I actually did my own buy here, pay here, like in-house financing, where I'm like, I know you can't afford to pay me all at once, but just pay me weekly, and well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll finance it out to you until you pay it off. So um, I sold mine because I, you know, I had the the super duper 64K white cocoa. Um, but yeah, there yeah, would be. I rescued mine from my uh, found it in my parents' garage. You know, I don't know about six months ago, and been working on to get it working again and uh but it originally started out as 16k color basic and then uh, we had it sent out back in the day to get the extended color basic and the uh, maxed out at 64k Ooh. but it's melt complete with melted keyboard and i mean it does come up now but the colors are all off and just i haven't gotten back to that project yet but i've had some good suggestions on uh getting that resolved it's uh one of many projects, I, I would guess, post-handy assembly type project at this point. Hmm. Yeah, I don't have any of my original stuff. Um, you got? You say you have yours, Curtis? Nope. No, my original no, uh, D-board got cracked. I do have my original multi-pack. I have some other original cards from that era, but the Coco itself didn't survive the, the one move. Yeah. The Coco 3, the same move survived fine. So I, I still have that one. But I, yeah, my Coco 1 the original is, is long gone. Yeah, I think a lot of people have that regret saying, you know, I could have, should have, would have if I had kept my old stuff, you know. So um, it's nice to be, have it. Yeah, yeah no, that's, it's good. I mean, I'm happy I have old stuff it's just not my original old stuff but i have plenty of old stuff so it's still nice to have the original hardware but there's got to be something a little bit more sentimental when it's yours like this was my original actual physical computer my first the first the first thing i ever touched that gave me joy <laughs> this is my original copy of bust out <laughs> yeah so um I would settle for just somewhere finding my old floppies. I don't know if they, if you know, if they just made it to a, a garbage heap back in 1990 something, or if maybe they're circulating the multiverse somewhere, and I end up buying a uh, an estate sale and I get my floppies back by some miracle. But if I didn't have the original hardware, I would love to have my original floppies just to see the kind of crap I was coming up. Holy crap, Simon Jonasson, that's uh, that's something there that would make uh, David laugh. Very excited looking at all those floppies. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm very fortunate. I have my original floppies, uh, or most of them, I think, and a lot of the cassette tapes, but I've gone through some of the floppies, and that was actually where I found uh, some of the stuff my brother 
brother wrote, and I got that to him. And uh, well, one of one of those adventure games has managed to uh, been he's, he's released, so that was pretty cool. So yeah, I'm hoping maybe some of that other stuff will get uh, finished or polished up and go out eventually. That would be, that would be really that would be really cool. So and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rick Rick Adams was showing up some of his Shanghai stuff. Delphi term 8.0. Look at that. Look at the blue floppy. That was. Pretty that was a fancy, later, I think. Yeah, yeah, having colored floppy jackets. That's. Uh... I've still got most of my original floppies too, and 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 most of them still work. There's a lot of code I just have to pull off there. There's a lot of games that I got to put on the website. I got to put on there too. So. Oh, uh, what's what do you got here, Simon? Looks like a floppy drive. A half height, forty track, double sided. I'm guessing. No, I've been looking for a 1.44 floppy for my 386, and I thought I had one, but I I didn't. I don't have one. And this, I called, is, uh, uh, this is an original uh, 360k drive from back oh. in. Uh, oh, I would love to have one of those. Right back in the day. This is what I'm actually watching my loader because uh, I've got okay. the top. I'm watching the head go. Yeah. The dreaded sound of a floppy you can't read where it just grinds its way into oblivion. Yeah. With the old Coco RS DOS, they would smash and head stop every time, too. I uh, error. I've been fortunate. Most of, I'd say, about ninety-nine percent of the floppies I've tried have worked, and the few that I've had a few that didn't work initially, and I was able just to, you know, the 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 in, in her inner part, the media was stuck, and I was able to loosen up, just stick you know, stick my fingers in there and move it around a little bit. And wow, <laughs> I've, I've been very very fortunate. Yeah, I'm the same way. I've got probably a couple of thousand of diskettes, and. Um, all of them seem to be working. There's a rare ch- case where everyone. <laughs> we have two. Predi- we got two predictions where David Ladd is right now because I'm playing all these David Ladd sound bites. Everybody's predicting if David was here to hear it, but either he's at <laughs> McDonald's or Taco yeah. Bell. So there are predictions in where David is spending <laughs> his time right now. One of his two favorite dining locations. <laughs> so my first color computer was uh, silver. Uh, with the uh, Chiclet Keys, uh, Cocoa One, uh, with 4K. And the first thing I did with that was type in a basic program from Rainbow and got about 4K in and then ran out of memory. I said, well, that sucks. So I, uh, I, I did a piggyback uh, memory upgrade, except, you know, I w- was not very sure of myself. So I, di- I got... Uh, somebody gave me some 4K, uh, another set of 4K chips. So I piggybacked 4K on 4K so that I could have 8K, <laughs> which was kind of a stupid thing to do. But it was like I, I didn't know if I was going to kill it or what. So I tried that, and it, I had 8K, but 8K wasn't enough either. So then somebody got me some 16K chips, I think. So I piggybacked those for 32. And that's what I developed Temple of Ram on. And eventually the power supply died, and I probably threw it away. Wow. My, so the Cocoa would recognize 8K, even though it was kind of a non-standard number yep. for how they were sold, it would right. recognize it. Um, another well, question. Sure f- I, I did the stack 16K version to 32K myself, too, because I went from 4K yeah. to 16. Then I had extended. Oh, these are all separate times, not at the same time. And then uh, upgraded by a 16K stacked. Now, that's when I discovered there was a program in Rainbow that did an animated umbrella in 3D. And it had 18 P mode zero pages that it would cycle through. And that's when I found out the stack chips, the video signal couldn't go between the two chunks. Mm. So I think past the first 16K would just get garbage. 
that's when I finally decided I better upgrade to a proper 64K. Ah. Now, whether or not that 8K actually worked or not, I mean, I brought it up. It says, oh, it's there. It seems to work. Great. I didn't kill it. And then I didn't, you know, do anything with it past that. So I could have run across trouble, you know, a little further down the line if I would have actually tried to use it. But I didn't, actually. I just, oh, it's good. I didn't kill it. Great. And I ripped that out and did something else. Wow. Yeah, you might be one of the few people that on history that's recorded as having an 8K Cocoa, because that's definitely an un, unusual number. Hey, Richard, we got another question from Registration about um, clipping these capacitors on the Cocoa 3. He's saying he can't seem to get a nail clipper in there. He's wanting to know if could he just kind of rock them back and forth and um, just basically break them off the motherboard. Would that be okay? Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, they just need to be they just need to be out of the circuit. So yeah. I did that. Actually, just clipping one leg's enough. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess trying to do it with a nail clipper just doesn't seem to give him the leverage he needs. Uh, scissors would probably yeah. do it. Maybe a yeah. small pair of like scissors from a sewing kit might work too if you can't get big yeah. scissors in there. Um, I seem to recall the one was a bit tight, and I just snipped the one leg and then just pulled it up so it wouldn't accidentally contact it afterwards and work fine. Whatever the uh, scissors you use to trim off your bud with before you smoke it, those would probably be really good to get in there. And <laughs> yeah, we're sold out of those here in Canada. So. <laughs> Hey, Kyle just joined us. Hey, Kyle. Kyle Eater. Or Edder. Um, so, yeah, we're sharing yeah. our first Cocoa stories. Go ahead. Were you getting ready to say something, Richard? I'm sorry. No, I didn't say anything. Who was getting ready to talk there? I was going to ask uh, Curtis when he's going to start doing Cocoa Talk. Uh, hi. What makes you think <laughs> I haven't done that already? <laughs> <laughs> Paul says use dykes. And believe it or not, that's a very politically incorrect term there, Paul Fiscarelli. So... <laughs> Uh. <laughs> I like his next yeah, comment. Yeah. We we used to call them nippy cutters. <laughs> so um, yeah, those are the little little mini like needle nose, like little small point snippy thingies. Yeah, like I think they're called jewelry or jewelers uh, cutters or something. I I don't know the correct term but yeah in in tandy assembly we called them nippy cutters nippy cutters robin is predicting your high right now curtis <laughs> I, I, I can't say anything because this is broadcasting to the u.s so <laughs> i was just wondering nick do you still have your original coco um not my original one the original one was a um a silver one i actually no, you're right. I, um, I, I do have it, actually. I've, I've packed it away as part of my Coco collection. Uh, I've, I've got a silver one, a white one, in a, together in one box. So, yeah. Yeah, I do. And you still have your original Model 1 as well? Tirasati Model 1, yeah. <laughs> wow. So original machines, yeah. So John, local, does that, does that say local H? It says, I join in, the first thing I hear is the type of scissors you use to trim bud with. <laughs> Welcome to 420 Talk. Technical Talk. <laughs> Technical Talk. But for anybody who doesn't know, uh, we just legalized it even for recreational use here in Canada this past week. So Right. Country, countrywide, so that's why. Yeah. The, well, the, next, the next Canadian uh, national anthem version is going to be really lit. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be more like, oh, can. What were we talking about? Oh, can. Exactly. Did you see the picture of uh, Canada 
there's a map of the um, North America and there's a clouds all across Canada. Canada's cloudy. Colorado's still here. Colorado's made it completely legal and they're yeah. they're still here. They haven't declined or anything. So I think my favorite one I've seen so far as far as the cartoons about it go is that there's a picture of the Canadian flag where they replaced the maple leaf for the cannabis. With that with a pot leaf, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Hey, we got a real Aussie with us. Hey, Chad, how are you? He's back. It takes him a minute. There's a time delay for that boomerang to get there. Um, Chad, do you copy? <laughs> from down under. There you go. Hey, Chad, uh, teach Nick how to speak Australian. Do like that Foster's commercial, how to speak Australian. <laughs> Actually, um, I, I better not say... <laughs> I look up to Nick. I don't want to upset him. <laughs> yeah, you may so catch you off the beta testing group there. Otherwise, so. Nick's quite a bit taller than you. <laughs> no, he's just older than me, and I respect my elders. <laughs> I was brought up the right way. I like there these brats today that I want to slap senseless. <laughs> So well, Chad, not, now that you've joined, uh, do you still have your original cocoa? Uh, that cocoa was in a fire, a nineteen eighty eight or nineteen eighty nine. It wasn't a, a weed related fire, was it? <laughs> uh, no, it was not. Okay, good. Hot cocoa. <laughs> Correct. Hot, Hot cocoa. cocoa. We, Hot we were living. <laughs> that was a model with the melted keyboard, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, it did have the melted keyboard. Extremely melted, but it was still working. It's just that the colours, uh, the the green screen, actually went orange. Oh wow! Nothing else was wrong with it except Ooh. the green. If you used green in any application, it was orange. I ended wow. up giving it to my um, sister's ex fiance for his business because he just wanted something to print off receipts. So I gave him my TP10 thermal printer. And uh, wrote a little uh, program for him, gave him a, a cassette player, and said he'd just use that. And he was happy with that. And I don't speak to him anymore because he's the guy that stole all my records. He was the guy <laughs> that bought me the DJ. Wow. So, yeah, bit of a uh, uh, disheartening story there, but I won't go into it too much. But um, what happened was we were living in the mountains in the hinterland, actually, up in the Sunshine Coast, a couple of hours north of Brisbane. And we had some bad storms up there to the point where they actually blew the service wire off the power pole. And wow. we, had, we were living in a caravan at the time because my dad was building a house. And I was playing on the computer and the screen started flickering. I'm like, oh, here we go, power failure again. And... Um, I went out to check the power box and I got uh, all this power through my arm. I actually thought someone was standing behind me. It was piddling down rain. And I felt like someone had just whacked me on the shoulder from behind, like just hit me. And I turned around and realized there was no one there. And I just absolutely lost it. I was screaming my head off, get out here, you old beep, 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 beep. <laughs> but they didn't believe me that I was getting uh, shocks when I touched wow. the caravan. And... Um, not long after that, we had the power completely stop, and we called out the uh, service technicians to look at it. When they plugged the, it was a blown fuse in the power box out on the power pole, they plugged it back in, and next thing you know, I'm inside, 
and all this smoke's just pouring in. We had a sheet covering the computer to keep the moisture out of it. It was on fire. So I grabbed that and just threw it out the window. And called out to them, turn it off. It's shorting out. It's on fire and uh, melted uh, two uh, deluxe joysticks. Wow. Cables. The whole TV was shot. So I ended up just using a black and white temporarily while uh, we sourced a new one. And the um, computer itself, yeah, as I said, it just had that one issue. But everything else worked okay. So he was happy with that. I wasn't very happy at all. I was hmm. so annoyed. Were, 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 were you using the computer when electricity flowed through you? Uh, no. Because mm, you might have absorbed some of its energy and power, and you might be a human supercomputer at this point if that had happened. So. Yeah, it finally. Yeah, okay. That would have been really cool. I've, as I'm typing on my computer, it gets struck by lightning. I am now infused with the superpower of the 6809. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a Marvel superhero. A human story. computer. <laughs> if, I had, if I had a superpower, it would be the ability to manipulate time so I can go back and stop myself from giving away all my code. <laughs> there you go. Good answer. Good answer. All right. Reminds me of my favorite share song too. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> one one quick little aside here. You guys did After Dark last week, and I think uh, I think it was Rick that was mentioning that he showed one of the bouncing ball demos off to Activision. Yeah. And we're trying to figure it out because it wasn't the Sockmaster one, which is what Ron's showing on his screen. I think it was the Von Cato one because that one came out a couple of years earlier, and it was the best one until Socks came out. Does that ring a bell, Rick? Uh, it doesn't really. Um... I just remember Sockmasters because it was like the the best one, but it, you know the timeline is all wrong. I thought it was that one, but the time you know the time frame just doesn't work. So so I don't know which one it was. So it was probably that one. I don't know. Yeah, because Vaughn Vaughn did a couple versions. He did one that was just plain. There was no checkerboard in the background, uh, but he did make another one with kind of this psychedelic rainbow colored ball spinning too, like with about eight colors on the ball itself. Yeah, I remember he did a couple versions. The Sockmaster version. Mm. But it, but my memory has to be faulty because the the timing just doesn't work. When you know, did Sock Masters I... come out? Uh, Ron, does it say on the screen there? Um, no. No. Okay. I th it's nineties. Can you check the date and timestamp when you type in Dur? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> if it was under eight, you could. But <laughs> so um, so Shanghai, uh, what it came out in what eighty nine? Okay, so it could have been. If, it could have been if he did it like around eighty-seven ish or something. If it came out in eighty-nine, yeah, then you know the de development has to have been like six months or, or so. Uh, and then this was a preliminary uh, meeting that I had with them before that, so you can sort of try to place when that meeting was. Okay, could know. be. Yeah, because Vaughn's came out in eighty-seven or eighty-eight, from what I recall, and Socks I yeah. think came out around a year, a couple of years later. The only other one I remember was Alan DeCock did one. It flickered quite a bit, but he was actually playing four voice music while the bowel was bouncing around on a checkerboard. Not, yeah, not a colored I, checkerboard, but uh, that I came out in 1990. Yeah, I remember it being silent. So, hmm. yeah. I remember silent. It looked, to me, in my memory, it looked just like that thing that I see on Ron DeVoe's uh, screen right now. So, but you know, my memory, of course, can, can easily be faulty. So. No, yeah. I, I do have Vaughn's kicking around on some of my floppy somewhere. I'll have to see if I can find it in some okay. one of the episodes coming up here. So if I can show it and see if that rings sure. a bell. That'd be cool. Yeah, But it was funny no. because that was the exact moment that they decided, yeah, we're going to go ahead with this project. Because, you know, the guy came in and 
He says, I didn't know we were doing, you know, stuff with a color with a color computer. So my my the person that was going to be my project manager says, Well, we are now. There you go. And the game was all about after dark was free. Do this or not? My second Coco three came with a whole bunch of in store demos because the guy that sold it to me was an ex Tandy employee. He lived up oh, the street. Neat. Discovered it in a local uh, newspaper that was specifically like a trading post newspaper. And so I bought that and it, I'm pretty sure there was a 16K in there as well because I, I think I gave that one to my little brother so he had something to learn on and something to play around on. And um, yeah, had all the Christmas demos, had all the um, really cool Coco 3 demos of my friends who used to bag me out for having the Coco when I only had the 64K. I said, yeah, well, look at me now. <laughs> <laughs> Crapping all over there, uh, Commodore 64. <laughs> hey, Steve. Yeah. Uh, the guy that we interviewed last week. Yeah, uh, that was Eric. Eric Critchlow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when my third color computer, uh, or possibly the fourth, because I had a, one light go bad, uh, that I developed, I developed Shanghai on. Uh, when I left the scene, uh, I had just moved to Minnesota, and uh, I offered to give it away to to a good home, and he took it. He took all my color computer stuff, and so I asked him, and it turns out the machine that did Shanghai, he has that in storage. Oh, neat. Now, yeah, he still has now, it. Now I have to be careful uh, because I Stone gave that to him, so I have no expectation. Or and he has no obligation that that goes anywhere other than where it is now. You sure, know, sure. If you, ca if you catch what I'm saying. Yeah, but it would uh, be kind of cool if he was able to give it back if he's but willing and able. Pray, right? <laughs> well, I have to be real careful about that. I, I don't want him to feel any pressure. It's right, totally, right. You know, it's totally his his color computer. You know? right, but, right. But he's but Rick is going to be generously giving out his mailing address just in case. <laughs> <laughs> and his, so I put his email address on a couple of mailing lists, and uh, <laughs> I gotta say, I really enjoyed having uh, Eric on last week. I had never spoken to him in person before. I've only known of him kind of through Curtis and through some things I've heard and read. Really interesting really nice. guy, nice guy, interesting guy, interesting story. A lot of twists and turns his career took that were quite unexpected, you know. Um, hey, but yeah. Um, Richard Lorbieski has worked at a ton of Radio Shacks, hasn't he? Yes, I have. Wow. I saw it listed out. Was it? Yeah, they moved me around quite a bit. I mean, after Tandy Assembly, uh, Tandy Computer Assembly, they moved me around because I was single and I lived in an apartment, so it was very easy for me to move around from one shop to another. And you were highly portable, huh? Yes, very highly portable. You're position independent code can just move around anywhere so yeah. <laughs> he was a tandy luggable or portable tandy luggable. <laughs> yeah i got tired of it when they moved me out to odessa and i just said enough and then about three months later they called me and they wanted me back wow and i worked there for maybe three months and i said no now, did you stay in Texas the whole time, or did you move around outside no, no, of the I state? stayed in Texas. I, I actually wanted to move to Colorado, but my region coordinator did not want me to move. So they blocked my transfer. Did Tandy have a presence in Colorado? Yeah, a repair center. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, they're nationwide. They had oh. repair centers. They're all over North America, actually. They were yeah. all over the place here, too. There's hundreds of them mm-hmm. in Canada. Yeah, if you, if there was a computer center, there was usually a repair center in the back. Okay. Okay. Yeah, ours here in Saskatoon was separate. Actually, we had a computer center uh, downtown in the main shopping district, and the repair center was actually in an industrial district up north. Yeah. Now, wow. some of the major cities like Houston and Dallas, they had their own repair uh, depot, and then they also had a consumer repair as well. And they started closing the consumer repair uh, depots in the 80s. And everything got shipped to Fort Worth when they repaired, like, you know, CB radios and cassette decks and TVs and things like that. Fascinating, fascinating. Um, and, when a girl, and when a girl entered the store, it was like DEFCON 4. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Why is that? <laughs> Um, <laughs> They'd go into overdrive. I used to work next to a Tandy store, and the girls, I'd go in there on my lunch break, and the girls would come in, and the guys would just be running around like nuts trying to impress them. And <laughs> Let me show you our battery collection here, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> These are gold. <laughs> you want a free battery card? Yeah. 50 watts per channel, baby cakes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Realistic, baby. <laughs> All right. How about we do this? Let's take a brief commercial break. We can continue these discussions. There's another another good question came up this week on Facebook that's worth discussing was um, when people got in late, like for people who weren't on the ground floor in 1980, how many people came in later to the cocoa um, hobby, like later 80s and stuff? And so maybe we can carry on that discussion as well. So, and there's 30 people watching us live right now. So thank you all for being here. I just want to say. Thank you. Uh, yes, you're too kind. And yeah, thank you. yeah. So we've got a great panel today, and but we are missing at least one person here. David Ladd. And David, what have you been up to? What are you doing now since you are not here with us, David? Oh. I'm much happier breaking stuff. Okay, so David's breaking something right now. All right, we're going to go to commercial, and we'll be back after these words, everybody. Hi, this is Randy Kindig of the Poppy Days Podcast. I just love me some cocoa, and nobody covers it better than Steve Strobridge. You're listening to Cocoa Talk. What if you could go back in time to just the right moment and ensure that Tandy won? You definitely earned this office. Thank you. Yes, you're too kind. Oh, I'm much happier (laughs) breaking stuff. Life has been a dream. (laughs) But what if you went back to the wrong moment? Give me that. How do you even know what that was? Listen, I don't really care about these blueprints. I just want- Say, who are you? You want to spy for Commodore or something, are you? Just move! Hey, hey, hold the elevator! Hold the- Stop right there! Whoa, whoa, no need for guns, no need for guns! So, Mr. Anders, it seems you have stumbled upon my little secret. There is no point in waiting for security. I think you are about to have an accident. Okay, no, 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 no! Coco, forever? 
ish 2018. My fellow Americans, Australians, Canadians, Europeans, and all of you ands, I'm calling on all y'all to help us make the world great again by visiting the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com where you can get yourself a coffee mug like this with a little cute cartoon character that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could also get yourself a coffee mug like this with a color computer three that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could get yourself a, a deluxe travel mug like this with the Coco Talk logo on it. You might even be able to get yourself a DVD like this with over two hours of gameplay. Goodness, it is time for us to rise up and make the world great again by enjoying some quality retro merchandise and Coco nostalgia. So please visit 8bit256.com and let's make the world great for the color computer. Thank you very much. Coco Talk is brought to you in part by Placeblex Dietary Supplement. Placeblex, we think it works, so will you. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. This year, I needed to give a real family pleaser. Honey, please help me with this budget. How about a new game, Dad? Please. And I found it. Radio Shack's Color Computer 2. On sale for just $99.95. It entertains educates, manages, it's expandable, and affordable. Now that really pleases me. The Color Computer 2, sale price for Christmas, only at Radio Shack. We now return you to Coco Talk. It didn't switch over, it just switched over. A little delay there in the software. Welcome back everybody. Hey Kat. I think the Coco Cat wants to go outside. Come here. Thank you, little furry butt out there. I just clicked on the wrong damn thing here, too. All right, just clicking on crap. Things are going sideways. Whole world's going to hell. All right, we're back, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, get your color computer, too, at Radio Shack. That's right. That really pleases me. Oh, my goodness. Um, all right, so we were talking about do you still have your first Coco? Some of us do. Some of us don't. Some of us have that regret of parting with our Cocos. And um, another question that came up this week was, who entered the life of the color computer later in the 80s? Like, you know, mid-80s or whatever. And or even later than that, for that matter. No, nah, even later than that, possibly, yes. True. Does 1984 count? 1984 counts. That color computer was already... That's Color Computer 2 era already. Color Computer 2, yeah. Color computer. 1986 for me. Oh, wow, Grant, you're a baby. Same here. <laughs> Christmas I'm, uh, 1986. Wow. Simon, when did you get your first Coco? I don't know if Simon heard you. Simon, you copy? He might not be by the keyboard at the moment. Uh, all right, so Nick was asking me if I have EdTasm set up, which I uh, I don't have it necessarily set up, but I might I might have it somewhere. I could get it working. I haven't, I haven't tried it yet, but we might have um, EdTasm out there. 
Um, I know. I just sort of thought if you, if you had Ed Tasm running and you could just later on in your core dump, we could probably just boot it up, type in a uh, little five line program, compile okay. it, run it. Well, it shouldn't but, be that hard to do. So you know, yeah, I could probably, either I could, probably, if I don't if I don't already have it, we could download it from the archive and and and, and make it so. Yeah. So yeah, all right. So we'll plan on that. I was hoping right. there was an, a, one that was patched for 80 columns already because um, working on a 32 column screen. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. I can't. It's hard to imagine, honestly. Yeah, that's a little too retro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's the Robert Galt version that you've been using, Nick. The 80 column uh, one. Well, uh, yeah, but uh, that one's not really a uh, free one as such. Um, right, right. But that's what you I, use. I don't think that. Yeah, I use that. Yeah. I'd share my screen, but my bandwidth is so slow, so yeah. I don't know how well that would work. Yeah, I mean, it's upside I, down. So. I mean, I could show off what I've done so far with the Long Branch <laughs> Never, the, the Hello World. HTTP GitHub, uh, yeah, radio.com, example 6309. So Rick's got something on there. We're still on dial-up over here. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. We're running at bo how many boomerangs per second? Is <laughs> that so we measure Australian data, right? So, uh, boomerang per bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, toggle the boomerang. And... Yeah, so we can do that. We can do an ad hoc assembly oh, yeah, segment. Just yeah. an ad hoc one, but yeah, we haven't really prepared the. Uh, the uh, and to see what and what doesn't yet. But yeah, anyway. I'm kind of I'm I'm somewhat curious to see it too, just because that's that was kind of the way for a period of time in Cocoa history where you, you know most people probably use Edtasm. I'm sure there was a handful of other assemblers out there, but Edtasm probably one of the more well known ones. Well, Edtasm's it, it fairly simple and all that. It's just a, a 32 column screen is just terrible to work on. Yeah, some of the third-party ones like SirComp's Edit Asm, uh, they use graphic screens to do the the actual text he did, like 42 by 24, 51 by 24 usually. Hmm. That's the one uh, by the guy that did uh, Window Master from Vegas. That's why a lot of the Vegas yeah. programs like Chet and a few others use that too hmm. instead of Edit Asm Plus. Anyway. Uh, James Jones says, I got my Cocoa 2 in 1982 or 1983. Didn't do much with it color logo and a terminal program in 1986 i had a good job and we could afford a coco 3 there you go um yeah i got my coco in 1981 so the coco was still relatively new at the time um so and i had been hanging out at radio shack since before the coco even came out and when i was hanging out at the radio shack the trs80 model one was still on you know on display so um <clears throat> i was aware of the coco before i got to the point where i could even afford one so I, I could definitely say I've been I've been around the cocoa since its inception. Feel blessed to have spent that many years with it, you know. Yeah, late late eighty one for me too. I think it's probably about October November is when I got mine in eighty one four K. Yeah, and you know it, it, it was it was true back then. What's true now is that with technology, the longer you wait, the price goes down and the specs go up. It's like buying a computer today too. It's like you spend a thousand dollars on a whiz bang system today. Next year, you're going to have bigger hard drives, faster processors, more memory for the same price or less than what you spent this year. So, you know, when the Coco came out, I think it was $400 for 4k a year later, I got for $400, I got 16k, you know? So, um, 
that yeah, it was 549 of, Canadian here for 4K, and I think it was 699 for 16K. And the biggest problem is they hold on to tech, they'll release it in in uh, small amounts. I'll say, oh, we've got this new tech, here we go, we'll give you this. And then a year later, they've already got the other technology, but then they'll feed you that, and that's the new standard, so you've got to buy that. And then they yeah. do the same thing a year later again, which they've already got on the on the works or in the pipeline, or they've already prototyped it and it's ready for assembly. And then they say, oh, well, we've got a new technology and people are fickle enough that they'll just keep buying and buying and buying rather than upgrading your existing tech. Right. I mean, let's let's think back, not back to the cocoa, but let's think about something that's newer, like cell phones. How many people have their first cell phone? <laughs> and the first cell phone I ever used was the black one that was at my Radio Shack store. It was the one where the battery was the suitcase. You carried it by the handle and you had the little cord. That was the first cell phone I ever used. Uh, the first cell phone I owned was the second generation Motorola brick, right? Because the first one was super thick. It was like about a foot deep. And then they had the thinner one that was half as thick. But my first cell phone was a Motorola brick. Who still got one of those? Or like the old Nokia's with the small LED display, you know? I had the, I had the brick. It ended up being used as a doorstop. <laughs> you know, you didn't have a... Uh... MC-10. <laughs> I had a, I had a 3310. And I've still got an old Nokia flip phone that I use as my emergency phone when wow. my smartphone is right. has life in the battery. Yeah, because as soon as you mentioned how they keep pushing new technology, that just reminded me of phones. You know, it seems like every year your cell phone contract lasts two years, but a year later there's a better phone than the one you got that you're stuck with now for two years. Correct. Uh, well, no, no, some of the companies are actually offering those upgrade plans where you pay a little bit extra, but you can upgrade the phone every year, so they're yeah. walking faster now. Yeah. Over, over here, everybody is crazy for crapple. Crapple. Yeah, I'm not crazy for crapple. Here's my phone. Um actually it was my dad's we used it in 1977 78 wow is it that was, uh, is that a car phone or can bag phone? yeah the bag had the um a battery in it and it had an antenna over here yeah that looks and a it, little like the radio shack phone it was a um motorola centel was the company that we used at the time yeah the apple stores over here are constantly full of people yeah oh yeah so like cattle they're there to get support because it's always playing up yeah yeah to me to me i look at apple fans like cattle they just run in to be slaughtered (laughs) rich cattle (laughs) they believe that they're part of some exclusive club but they don't realize that 75 percent of that tech is actually samsung Huh. They're supporting Android, unknowingly. Yeah. I've got a quick question for Nick Marentes. What service provider are you with for your interwebs? Uh, Optus. Optus. Nicknamed Floptus, yeah? Floptus. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're not with Vodafone or Avoidaphone. Yeah. You know, it's funny, but the, 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 some of those older tech communications technologies, so before the cell phones were the big thing, they were pagers, right? And because I've always been like in the tech arena and I've always been like either having my own business or being in the service 
providing arena of technology. Uh, there were, when pagers and cell phones were new, there was usually only two people who had them. They were either doctors or drug dealers, right? So it's the only people that could afford pagers and cell phones. But I always had a pager and a cell phone when most civilians didn't just because of my line of work, too. So uh, yeah. back then you were kind so of which a of those minority. two vacations were you involved with? <laughs> well, he definitely, he, he's definitely not a doctor. So that's <laughs> <laughs> we've narrowed it down already. <laughs> How much you selling that weed for? <laughs> no, no, he, he actually was a doctor. He was handing out prescriptions. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, my my my, my special brand is called Nuclear Green. <laughs> <laughs> Nuclear Green, baby. So. <laughs> Coke go. <laughs> Local H says, Coco 2 was my first computer. It was uh, a hand-me-down after my uncle had upgraded through to the Commodore 64 to Amiga. Uh, had it for a couple of years before I got the C64. The Coco ended up at an orphanage. Oh, wow. So I wonder if little orphan Annie got it. So The Coco I showed you before, my original one, uh, yeah. uh, was back from late 84, early 85. Hmm. So was so that, that a? That's when I got started. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. By '86, I was starting to phase out of the Coco because then the Tandy 1000 was coming into its own. Um, oh, James. My, go ahead, Nick. I, I bought my TOS80 Model One in back in 1980, so that's when I started coding TOS80 Model One games. But by 1984, the TOS80 Model 1 was uh, losing a bit of steam, being uh, low res, monochrome and all that. Everyone yeah, was wanting a yeah. color system. So I moved to the Coco back in 84 and did uh, two games there. And, well, um, I wasn't too happy with the Coco. I wasn't too impressed with it. Um, but in 86, the Coco 3 came out. So I thought, that's it. That's what I've been waiting for. Yeah. Hey, so and I don't know if you know this or not, Nick. If you're how how in tune you are with the TRS-80 communities, but I'm just wondering if people are making modern games now for the Model Ones and Model Threes, kind of like what you're doing with Popstar, but making newer games pushing the machine further than people would have imagined back no. when it was new. No, I do follow the TRS-80. Uh, there's a games t uh, Facebook page which is for TRS-80 gaming, and uh, yeah, there's nothing really new. Uh, there, um, mostly talking about the old games. Okay. Uh, occasionally, you'll find someone who's uh, talks or shows off a um, program that they had started writing but never finished. So okay. That's a new game, but nothing new. Okay. Not that I'm aware of. We, we, they don't have the same sort of um, activity as what we have uh, in the color computer. Well, Ian yeah, Maverick would know. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, I actually, uh, yeah, I, I was in touch with him just the other day because I ordered one of his um, Coco Max cartridge. Uh, he's he's uh, re-engineered or remade the uh, Coco Max high-res cartridge. So I ordered one off him uh, just to try it out. I was going to try to uh, restore one of my Coco 2s and get it running Coco Max. Just fun. But it's, Interesting. Uh, you know, 
it's, it's a uh, 8-bit DAC uh, cartridge, basically. I just thought I'd, I'd try the real thing. Uh, and it was he had it cheap, so I thought, oh, yeah, okay, I'll buy it. <laughs> and that's the one that's basically for like a high-res joystick interface, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although his has been modified. I think the original one uh, doesn't work on a Coco 3 or doesn't work on a, a Coco 3 with multi-pack or whatever. I can't remember. Okay. I think Ron Delvo was... Uh, showing us uh that it wasn't working well someone did anyway okay anyway his version does work he's done some changes so yeah i've got that coming it, since it was cheap enough so. it doesn't work on my coco because it's non-existent ah <laughs> so he strapped it on the back of a dingo and put it on a wallaby and it's on its way to you huh then <laughs> a kangaroo pouch hopping its way towards you as we speak so but, will not work on unexisting cocos. <laughs> Stevie. Yeah. We do actually have a courier company over here called Kanga Couriers. So Kanga. <laughs> Everything is just a hop, skip, and a jump away. All right. So. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, you got to love the stereotypes. Yeah, uh, top. Uh, so Rob Min was saying those poor kids at the orphanage who got that color computer handed down with no sound chip. <laughs> yeah, said the top Coco games at the orphanage are Color File Two, Ed Tasm Plus, and the Audio Spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't forget Color Script Set. Dino Wars. Dino Wars. Yeah. So yeah, that's Nick Morenti's favorite product is Color Script Shit, right? So. <laughs> it's a chess program, isn't it? <laughs> I just wonder if they had any of those in any uh, mental institutions and they found a copy of Bedlam and thought, we can do this. <laughs> I see a green door. Let me try to open it. <laughs> yeah, they use Bedlam as the interactive map for the patients. So. <laughs> Are you lost? Try this. Plug. I find it funny that Dino Wars is such a, a polarizing program because some people just hate the thing and some people really, really like it. Yeah. It's, it's, there doesn't seem to be a gray area in between there. I, I personally thought, you know, because they were attempting to do 3D that early on, I thought it was pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, I found it to be a technical marvel. Young kids just love that game. I still have young kids that have visited recently that love it to this day. So, Yeah. My brother. And other people thought it was a good excuse to take chips out to put custom ROMs on. So. <laughs> the perfect cartridge to cannibalize. Yeah, apparently right? Rick's so, one of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Back when I was a kid, had three ROM packs, and that was it. Yeah. Man. And 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 the le my least favorite of the three was Color Script Set. <laughs> well, the gameplay kind of sucked on it, so yeah. You know what I would love to see? Talk about um, you know new Coco software. Somebody had brought up the idea of rebooting old Coco games. What if somebody disassembled um, Dino Wars? And now we've optimized it, and we got the source code. We've got it running with all the whiz-bang features that all the modern programmers know how to do, compiled sprites, optimizations, and now it's a super fast, efficient one. Now we add AI to one of the dinosaurs where you can have single player, and you go through different levels of dinosaurs, and the dinosaurs get more progressive as you fight them, and it becomes like a fighting game, like with the karate-style games. We've got to keep fighting through rounds and rounds of dinosaurs get to be bosses and uber bosses and level ups and you can get pickups where your dinosaur can maybe spit fire or other things like that. It'd be kind of cool to take that game and just give it a modern makeover. 
Yeah, I mean, we, we could do background sound because one of the things I didn't like about Dino Wars is that every time you you click the button to bite somebody, it would do that long <laughs> warm, breathe, yeah, dead <laughs> God, that sounded like indigestion. But sure. that, yeah, that was my that was also my Chewbacca impersonation there too. Dino Wars Chewbacca, <laughs> really bad impersonation. So, yeah. What was odd about that game is you'd sit there furiously pushing the button, the joystick button to bite, and you're perfectly in line with it, and nothing yeah, happens. Yeah, nothing happens. It was what? the most, Hang yeah. On. And then all of a sudden, someone on the other side presses a button, and they bite you, and you're like, that, how is that possible? Yeah. Yeah, there was a couple of games like that where you literally had to have a second player, which is not a bad thing, but nowadays it's going to be more difficult. But I think the, I think the old football was like that, too. You couldn't play yep. single-player football. You needed a second human to play football. The old, the old cartridge version. Yeah, I had to wait uh, to, for Greg Zumwalt's uh, football two in 1987 on the Kogo wow. three to do that. So, did, did anyone play Poltergeist? Oh yeah, yep. I, I bought that. I had that. No, Still have uh, That's one game that was a uh, a movie license, uh, and it only came out on the Coco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Had a pretty bad bug on the first level too. <laughs> you could cheat. If you held down the joystick button, none of the cars ever came out. Yeah, I mean, that still didn't help because that level wasn't that hard anyways. But, yeah, to me, the hardest level was just the final round. I mean, the door, the staircases could be a bitch, but that final level where is it a ghost, is it Carol Ann, you know, is it a... Is yeah, it especially a, at the end when you got faster, you only had yeah. to about... Is it the si- second to figure out? Yeah, is it a psycho face or is it a stick figure? It's so hard to tell, and now I'm down to the last millisecond, you know. So you almost have to like just guess. <laughs> Steve Bjork's here saying Street Fighter Dino Wars, right? So round <laughs> one, fight. <laughs> you get the Ryu moves. Oh, you, you can work into the Cadillacs and Dinosaurs arcade game. Yeah. Finish you know? him. Finish him. Finish <laughs> him. Good afternoon, Steve Bjork. How are you? Thank you. Yes, you're too kind, and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was another discussion you guys had in After Dark last week, too, was going through all the officially licensed games, uh, I think both from the arcade and also ones that were cross-licensed between platforms. And I, I, I wasn't able to make the show, but I, I know the Coco 3 had a hell of a lot more of them than the Coco 1 and 2 did. Yeah, yeah. And we were talking about the prolific game designers, the ones you knew by name, and and then you yeah, you chimed in, you chimed in with a ton of com- yeah you, you chimed in with a ton of comments later on in that video. Uh, excuse me, losing my voice. Um, yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, that after dark discussion. You know, it's like this, like today, the shows that we have no idea what we're going to talk about. We just ended up filibustering and wandering into some interesting territory from time to time. Um. Yep. Street Fighter Dino Wars with combo moves. <laughs> yeah, two-button deluxe joystick for that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we should probably plan on that. And, and last night, too, it was very spontaneous, so maybe we can try to plan officially tonight. I want to try to do another um, Dungeons of Daggereth kind of group session. Do, do you have your old game from last time you tried saved? So you can pick up where you left off? Mm, not No, because that was actually on the PC version, too. Oh, okay. So I want to play the. Um, why am I hearing myself? Who's got the? Who's introducing the sound loop right now? Space time continuum test one test two. Okay, sound loop is gone. Um, so I want to do the uh, William Astle version that I have now. The the patched one that lets you save the disc and these kind of fixed a few things. I have that version downloaded, so I'll play it on a Coco Three. 
try out my new switcheroo cable too. Um, so maybe we can make that part of our after dark. We'll we'll do a group uh, Dungeons of Daggerath session. See how far we can get. I think that was another question this week on Facebook. Has anybody beat the game? And only a few people chimed in saying they had. Yep. So. I did, but I I had to save. I've I've never done it straight through in one shot. I've yeah. won it a couple times, but definitely saving the game. It is a life goal of mine. We can take. I can't the... Did you make it? Did you make it past the fake wizard? No, no. I think we were. We got to roughly level three. Yeah, is that the fake wizard? wizard? Yeah. Yep. And then I was trying to avoid him because I think I needed a few more rings or something like that. I don't remember. You were you were kind of coaching me, and I think I ended up getting yeah, stuck. Yeah, you can still somewhere. you can still kill him without all the extra stuff. It just takes a hell of a long time. Yeah. So we'll try to be more a little bit more strategic and make sure we're proper. You know what would be great, especially since it's been disassembled and um, and maybe I don't know if William wants to do this, but it'd be kind of cool where if you could see. Uh, an RPG style, what are your hit points? What is your health level? What is your strength level? Even yeah, because it's all kept internally. Yeah, and Broke. you could see that. Um, and in that way you knew, well, if I keep killing these freaking spiders, eventually my strength and health, I'm going to keep leveling up, and you could do the whole World of Warcraft and just keep killing pigs until you get to the level you need to go to take on the real boss, you know, so... Um, yeah, I, I, I think the unique thing about Dagrath though is that the like the heartbeat was your health type thing. Yeah, yeah. If you if you take that away and just give it numbers, I, I think it'll lose some of its. Well, flair. I don't take it away, but at least you know like what your strength is or your attack level or something like that, so you know, yeah. am I strong enough to take on the uh, wizard? Even if it's yeah. just a little bar, like a little picture of a sword in a bar that shows you how strong you are. Dag Dagrath had some subtle cues to figure that out. Like you were trying to reveal certain items. If your strength level wasn't high enough, you couldn't reveal the really powerful items. If you got a solar torch, you did reveal left, and it just sat there and did nothing. You okay. knew you were not powerful enough. Once you were powerful enough, it would suddenly say, oh, yeah, that's a solar torch. So you ah. could tell the level by the stuff you could reveal between torches and, and flasks and stuff. So there was a, an indicator okay. doing that, but it wasn't okay. explicit. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Rob Emmons on this whole orphanage thing here. Back at the orphanage, kids forced to look up OS9 error codes for Mother Superior. It was tough, I tell you. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's terrible. Apparently that was before ease of use. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so anyways, I'd like to try that. I'd like to try a Dungeons of Daggerath um, group play together and maybe we get a few people on sharing their screens and stuff too if we all want to see how far we can get we could take the forest of doom soundtrack and play that on a loop that's got some eeriness to it you know so let's have that for mood music um uh, as long as you don't as long as you don't overpower the dagrath because the whole point of dagrath is you hear the monsters getting louder and louder the closer they get to you so that's yes yes, yes critical to the game yeah yeah, and I want to try my switcheroo cable, which I haven't tried yet, to see if the audio comes in any stronger than the uh, RCA plugs from my my current cable. Because I do notice when I run my Coco 3 through everything, the, the volume's not anywhere near as loud as it should be. And I just don't know if that's just the Coco or if, if it's maybe a different audio you know, splice might give me a little bit more sound. I don't know. That's yeah. what I'm trying to... And you can play Daggerath in the way it was meant to be played as an actual strict two-color black and white game with all the artifact colors, too. So, With or without the artifacts? Without, because that's basically what it was designed. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's what I'd be doing. I'd be doing on the Coco 3. 
So yeah. maybe you need a preamp, Stevie. A preamp to yeah, that's what I just need. Another another thing to go between the things that plug into things that plug into the box that plug into the cable that plugs into <laughs> maybe my capture device. Yeah. Preamp. Exactly what the doctor ordered. Another yes. point of failure. Uh, yeah. Another point of failure. <laughs> a soundboard that randomly assigns what sounds go to what keys. That's what you need. Yeah. Oh, wait, uh, you have that already. Yeah, that, that audio out uh, is the same connector. I mean, it's the same source as the one on the RGB. Okay, so you don't think there's going to be any higher level of voltage or anything like that? Probably not, no. All right, well, it's worth a shot. Cool beans. All right, well, that's the show, folks. All right, so <laughs> no idea. All right, so do we want to try to filibuster here and, and pull up an EdTasm? I'm willing to try it. We can do an ad hoc EdTasm thing. And if that's too much work, I can always pull up my modern Notepad++ assembler if you guys want to talk me through uh, an assembly example. I, know, I won't remember how to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I haven't used EdTasm in 30 years. so. Yeah. Nick, so, it'll be up to you. Nick, are you up for the challenge to help me EdTasm myself? That sounds so dirty. Nick Marentes, do you copy? You ran away. All yeah. Right. Hopped away. Hopped right. away. So, Nick, I'm going to I'm going to attempt to find Disk Edtasm on the Color oh. Computer Archive. Okay. And then uh, uh, if you could talk me through using it cuz I have no idea what the hell I'm doing with the bloody thing. Yeah, if he can't if he can't do it, I'll do it. All right. So, and let me just look. Will Would it try? be I have the Coco SDC. On the Coco SDC was a folder called Util. Disk Util Miscellaneous. Um, what would it have been called? It would, would have probably started with a. Do we know if if Edtasm was part of that original thing? Miscellaneous. I don't know. So. Well, I haven't used the uh, basic Edtasm in the ages. Um, actually, I'm just trying to see if my um, Edtasm uh, six the the Robert Gold one. If I can get that up and just sharing, and then we can use it. Right. Well, what I'll do in the meantime, too, is I'm just going to open up yeah. the Color Computer Archive and see if I can find it, and I'll copy the disk image to my Coco SDC. Color Computer Archive. Um, maybe we can – I'll run a commercial while we're doing this. So while I'm looking yeah. for the disk I'm, image, I will run a commercial, and we'll try to get EdTasm up and running, and we're going to do some ad hoc assembly, old school style, with the help of Nick Marentes. So we'll be back after these words, boys and girls. Hello, this is Grant Leedy with Coco Talk. Got your Coco 3 yet? Switcheroo. Use your Coco with a modern display. Go from RGB to composite with just the flip of a switch. Coco3scartcable.com What's going on everybody? The original gamer Stevie Stroh here and I want to talk to you about Amacoconut.com. If you love the color computer like I love the color computer, then you gotta visit Amacoconut.com, your one-stop shop for all of your Tandy color computer links needs. There you'll find links to blogs and podcasts and project sites and Oh, I found a color disc ed has and patched and for the Coco 3. If you love the color computer, head on over to Amacoconut.com. That's I-M-A. Coconut.com. Tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Coco forever, people. Good day, mates. 
This is Nick Marionettes, author of such color computer titles as Donut Disaster, Rupert Rhymes, and Rockstar Pilot. And I am here today to tell you about the world's most fabulous operating system, OS9. OS9 and its current incarnation Nitrous 9 is the most advanced operating system ever created. And what makes it so good? Ease of use. I find OS9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual. And yet I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda. Using OS9, I expect my next game, Funstar, will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS9 forever. Any resemblance to actual events to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Some people have big plans after school. You know what Elliot's going to do? Jeff, too. Elliot's at work on a book report using Scripsit on Radio Shack's Color Computer 3. It hooks up to his TV. And Jeff's at his Radio Shack Color Computer 3 playing the newest football game. But wait, what's Elliot doing playing new Super Pitfall? And Jeff's having a blast with a new math tutor. You never know what you might try with more than 100 programs for fun and learning. Radio Shack's Color Computer 3 comes with everything you see here. Other items each sold separately. Only at Radio Shack. We now return you to Cocoa Talk. All right, boys and girls. Well, we are here. Oh, I don't need to have Timberman on the screen anymore. That was from a while ago. All right. So here's the live chat. We got everybody here with us. Um, here is my Cocoa. And I found on the... Um, I found on the Color Computer ar Archive a, a uh, EdTasm uh, patched for uh, 80 columns. So what would I run? Patch Basic? I'm uh, not sure. I think I have tried that. It didn't work for me, but give it a try. If right. not, I, I, I've got my uh, EdTasm up and running, so I can try share my screen, and we can sort of do a very quick 20-minute uh, very basic EdTasm. <laughs> how, how, how to program an assembler session. All right. Well, I don't know what the hell the it's EdTasm old. There's well, EdTasm bin patch basic. So what happens if I run DOS? What the hell will that do? Yeah, that's what you do, I think, if I remember, isn't it? Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, it's been so, yeah, you get this menu. So what do you run? Maybe you have to run. Um, Color TRS DOS by RG Kilgus. What well, the hell? That, that's for um, accessing disk. Yeah, it, yeah, Robert Kilgus did his little mini DOS when he did EdTasm. He's a guy that did skiing in Dino Wars, ironically enough. All but, right, so should I just yeah. load an EdTasm bin? Let's try that. Never done That'll this before. Run, but yeah, yeah, give it a try. You'll see the problem I had with it. All right, and then now exec. Okay, disk EdTasm. Yeah, this, so this is I not... Enter. What's that? Do I? I for insert. I for insert. That's what she said. And see, it says buffer full. I don't understand that. That's also <laughs> what she it. said. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so um, welcome to After Dark. Yes. All right. So um, then, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to the archive, and I'm not going to download the patch version because so obviously the patch version here is bollocks. So we'll, well go to the unpatched version. I assume by patch they're talking about 
patch for this school. Well, no, know. this was this was this said uh, this said uh, uh, disc column. disc color edtasm patched for forty and eighty columns. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. And Rob Inman saying anyway. you have to do a width 80 first before running that version 4. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Width 80? So do I try that before I go out of my way to download yeah, another freaking Yeah, let's try that. Maybe it was trying to allocate RAM that uh, the is taking up or something. All right. If not, I'm ready to go on my one. So. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit insert, and then we're going to see if her buffer is full or not here in just a minute. So um, I'm going to go back to my Coco 3 capture. I have a I have a cartridge version running on the uh, XROR if needs be. Edtasm. So we're gonna run this freaking thing here, patch bass. And it should and, get an error. You watch. Press right, so now let me type there with eighty. Already exists, so that already means it's already been exists. made. Uh, it's already been patched, yeah. Okay, so now I'm in with eighty. Edtasm. And then now what? Just type in Try running the Edtasm and see if yeah, it's. Yeah, load Edtasm and then try executing it. Am I not able to spell now? E D T A S M. Yeah, yeah, uh, there's, only, there's only one T in there, huh? Yeah. Load them Edtasm. Ed to the Tasm. All right, exec that. Okay, here we go. Do it now. Enter. And yeah. she's, her buffer is still full. I All don't right. understand why that's happening, so. Anyway, I've got mine uh, here. So if, if we want to do a core dump. All um, right. We I'm can certainly do that. Yeah. So before, I, let me just continue sharing my sound for just a second here while I run the uh, yeah. core dump intro. Yeah, and Rob's we'll still saying you can't run it from Explorer. So You can't run it from SDC Explorer? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll try it one more time. Let me go ahead and hit the core dump anyways. Oh, yeah. It is time for a core dump with Nick Marionettes, author of Funstar. Oh, it's nine. 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 All right. So let me. <laughs> I'm just gonna say this is sure ease of use. All right. So <laughs> we're gonna try something real quick. Though. I'm gonna try this one more time. Oh, okay. So. Edtasm 80. Dur. Lodum Edtasm. So we can't run it from the Coco SDC. We're going to exec. I'm going to hit I for insert. And her buffer yeah. is still oh. full. Yeah, so something weird with that copy. So I don't, don't worry about it. Right. All right. So, All right. Uh, so uh, we've done the intro. So I guess we go straight into it. <laughs> Yes, sir. Take it. Let, right. uh, hold on one second here. Let's get back to the main screen here. And take it away, Nick Marionettes. I will attempt to share the screen and have that up um, up and running. So one momento. Who could have had the OS9 assembler already running, you know? Oh, no, but my... <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to write for that shit of an operating system? <laughs> You're Welcome to the back to look up the error codes. <laughs> All right, so there's my uh, Coco. I'm just running the VCC, so I can share that screen. And I've got my uh, Robert Gold Edtasm 6309 uh, mounted, and uh, in its 
Now that's a commercial about, product from Robert, correct? Just it so is, people know. It is, yeah. And I, I've, I've had this now for the last, uh, oh gee, almost 20 years. I bought it from him way back then. And over the years, there've been little little uh, suggestions I've asked uh, Robert and he's been adding it in. I, I think I must be the only one who's actually um, uh, uses the program nowadays. <laughs> but uh, every time I uh, either find a problem or make a suggestion, uh, Robert goes in and adds that feature. The last feature he added for me was the ability to have a uh, full 225 scan line uh, uh, display because I like the really high screen. So he's done that and, that and that's what this version is. So basically I just run my editor assembler, which is just run DOS and it'll boot up my editor assembler. Edtasm is now loading. Kabam, and there it is. So this assembler is uh, 6309 capable as well. It also supports DriveWire, and it also lets me print my file, my whatever I create, to the PC via DriveWire. So if I want to see a, a full printout of my listing, uh, I print the, the source file out, and it makes a, a file on the PC, which I can then open up print out on my printer or open up in any text editor and then I can usually you know have have the benefit of looking at my code on a bigger screen but we won't cover all the features we'll get straight into Edtasm so there it is if I do I the, okay so this is the editor it's called an editor assembler in other words it's two programs in one you could say you have the editor where you edit your source file and you can then assemble that within the one program and create a binary file. Yeah, um, and the cartridge you had Zedbug as well. Uh, well, there is Zedbug. I've never used Zedbug, I don't, I, so I have no idea how that works. But that's yeah, a Z-bug Z -bug for you American fans. Z, yeah, that's Z, right, Z-bug. Z-bug. Yeah, I've never gotten, uh, I've never used a, a, a debugger like that, but it's there as well, yeah. So it's actually three programs in one. Anyway, let's start a program. So. The command in Edtasm is I for insert, and we'll just go with the default line numbering. We won't do anything fancy. We'll just do the very bare bones, simple stuff. So insert, and I start off on line 100. I use the arrow or the uh, on on a real Coco. It's the uh, yeah the arrow key, the right arrow to go across to my tabs. There are several tab spots. The first tab spot is where you put a label. So I'll just do a dummy line. So this is where you put labels. Mm -hmm. The next app spot is the com the actual assembly command. So for example, load A, and then um, the next tab spot is the uh, remaining part of that command. So load A with the, the value of say five. And the next tab spot is where comments go in. And you know, it's, up, it's up to the user if you wanna um, comment in. So, you would say comments. Now, so do you have to put a remark or a hashtag or anything in front of there? Or does it just no, know it, a colon? No, not in the comments field, no. Okay, so um, it just yeah. ignores that fourth column. It, that's right. The fourth comment, uh, column is just um, comments. So just type your text there. So that's basically it in a nutshell. You've got four, four columns, label, the instruction, the parameters for that instruction, and a comments line. And that's how your, your program, you just build it that way. Now, I'll just get rid of this because another thing, just talking about comments, if you wanted to label an entire section, then 
then what I what I normally do is I tab to the to the instruction line, and I put a um, uh, an asterisk, and then that tells it's going to be a comment, so or a uh, a label or a document documenting whatever the next piece of uh, code is, for example. So you can put comments wherever you want. But we're going straight into um, programming. So the first thing we've got to do in any assembly language program is to tell it where the program will reside. And that is a command in the assembler. It's not a 6809 part. It's an assembler origin as it's, it's meant to be. And that's done in the instruction column. So I go across to the instruction column. I Can say, somebody I say, please stop flushing their toilet? Yeah. <laughs> I might have been Jason. I just muted him. So origin. And we'll just throw this at hex 6000, for example. Oops. Yep. Or origin 6000. So this code will, when, when I load the final binary program, it will load from hex 6000 upwards from there. So origin 6000. Next thing you've got to do, well, what I do is I open up uh, with a label. Let's, let's call it, in this case, entry. So this will be the entry point to the program you can have the entry point anywhere in your code and uh and what i do is I, I have a label called entry and i'll show you later on uh how that's used a bit further in the towards the end so entry now i'm going to do a very simple hello world so what i'm going to do is just print the words hello world in the top left corner of the text the normal text screen uh, now, the, it's important to know where you're going to write um, this text because um, you can't just say print hello world because under assembly, you've got to basically tell it where do you want to print that thing and, and where is the, the text hello world stored. You've got, to, you, you've got to store that somewhere as well. So it'll make sense as we um, do the rest of the program anyway. So entry. First thing is is say load x for example with the source location of the of the text. Now I haven't got the text in there yet, but I'll put that down the bottom. Let's call it text. So we load x with the position pointed to by by um, the the labeled text. Um, that'll come in a second. Then we load say the y register with where I'm going to put that text. So we load Y with hex, uh, well, no, let's do decimal 1024, because I can't, rem can't remember what the hex version of 400. 100. 400, that's right. Anyway, let's use decimal to keep, keep away from the whole hex and decimal and all that stuff. So load Y with 1024 and then load B with the number of characters that is going to be in the text screen. In this case, the phrase hello world is uh, 11 characters. So load B with 11. Then let's do a loop. So let's call this loop. And then we start the loop. The first thing in the loop is to load the accumulator, load A, with what's in the location pointed to by X 
And here, what I'll do is I'll also auto increment X because once we've loaded that, the value at pointed to by X, we want it to then point to the next value so that we, when we come back in the loop, it's ready for the next character. So load X, where is it? Where's the plus key on this? Here we go, load A with X. So A has, will, will have the first letter in our text line. This will make more sense once I've got the text line in there as well. So I'm just trying to get through really quickly, then I'll go back and, and uh, um, just explain things again. Load, uh, sorry, load A with text. Now store A into the location pointed to by Y and, and move that forward automatically. Then I do a decrement B. Now remember further up B was loaded with 11. So we want to decrement it by, by one. And then if it's decremented, if it's not decremented to zero, there's a command branch. If it's not equal, it's not equal to zero back to loop. So I'll just put it a blank line there. I'll just lock up the program. I'll, let's call it lock up. This is like an infinite loop to make it just go back to itself. Well, yeah. Otherwise, uh, with with once you run the assembler, uh, the, the the processor will go crazy. It'll just keep reading through RAM. So depending on what I have after this loop, it'll go nuts and crash. So I'm just giving it something something to do it's lock up four five six yeah lock up is six characters labels can be six characters and we'll just make it jump back to lock up so basically we're going to run the program it'll do print hello world and then it'll just lock up there now we'll throw in the text and we create the late oops text and um there's another assembler thing called for uh what is it form constant, constant characters or something fcc and communication commission i don't know uh constant characters of is f mean four anyway and let's put the text in um i wonder if i can just type you got an at in there now yeah Hello, world. Right. How's your DEFCON level doing? No, I'll, I'll just go back over this now that I have the whole listing there and just quickly explain it. Uh, then we've got to tell the assembler that that is the end of the code. So end. Oh, if I put an end in there. End. And a thing you also put in is you enter where the execution point for the program is, and that will be entry. Now let's go back over all that. Entry spelled wrong. I did too. Entry. Yeah. Let me just um, edit using this highly sophisticated line editor. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's so that's how I you mean. have to do it, huh? Oh, that would that, drive well, me nuts. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's like the edit command in basic. It's pretty yeah. it's, it's like the, it's exactly the same. So if you're used so, to that, it works the same. That's right. I so got a, I'll just clear I got a the screen. Uh, okay, I'll just uh, reset my screen so that we don't have. There we go. There's my program. Okay, fire away with a question here. 
All right, so I have uh, Ed Tasm up too in 32 screen mode. And um, I don't have nice columns like you do. Does it matter? Uh, you, you should do. Uh, it should it, tab. It, what's what's the tab key? Is it the right arrow key? Are you supposed to tab between the each right arrow screen? or um, yeah, do, do they tab? I, I, have you gone to insert? Yeah, how, I, are, I how are you switching lines, columns, Nick? But they're not as organized looking as yours. Right arrow, right arrow should actually uh, put it into the next column. It should do, yeah. Did you write arrow between columns, Ron? No. Ah, okay, that's probably go. why then. Don't know anything about that. Yeah, the right arrow key is like the tab yeah, key. Arrow, it'll it'll move you over one column. Takes you automatically right. across to the tab, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so you need to do a right arrow for, so, for the tabs. So mine is going to be all gibberish. Sorry? So mine will be all gibberish. You go back and edit it, right? Just what, what's yeah, what's the command to edit? That. Uh, well, it'll be. A, what does that chasm still take uh, spaces as separators between the fields too? Or actually, I, I, I've never used the spaces. I don't know. I don't think so. Hmm. I, okay. I, always, I didn't know if I did I've, both or not. I've always used um, the tab key. Yeah, so I'm, I'm used to seeing the listing all nicely aligned and all that. So that that I've always liked that in EdTasm. So there's our program, and just going through that really quickly before we assemble it, uh, we've got the org command telling it, telling uh, the assembler that the program will be compiled to load in to address 6000 hex. And then we open up the program with a label called entry. Now, the very last line where I said end entry, once it's a compile the program, um, when you do a load M, let's call it test, for example, load M test will be the program. As soon as I hit exec, it will execute from entry. If I don't put that in there, it, it probably just executes from zero, location zero, which, which is just junk, and it'll just crash the system. So this basically allows you to t tell it where the program will automatically execute when you hit exec. So Hence, Isn't I've that what that play. org does? The, the, no, the, no, org tells it where to actually start assembling the program. Ah, that doesn't tell it where to execute in memory. No, no, that's no. right. And that's that's what the end command does. It says, okay, let's ah. the program. And there's a reason for that, too, because, I mean, in, in some cases, you might have data tables. Like, you could have put the FCC yeah, yeah. Hello World at the very that's beginning, right. and exactly. then you have the so, program actually start running after and, that. And I, I do okay. do that. I, I usually do have other stuff there. And, and so my entry point is actually more mid down into the program. Mm. So wherever that is, I have a label entry and that's where I put my code. And at the very end, in the end statement, I put end entry. That way, when you hit exec, uh, exec it'll run entry or from entry rather. And you use this same bloody program to make Popstar Pilot. Yep, <laughs> you're an you're an animal. You are a freaking well, animal is, because this is just like insanity to me. Well, this this is assembler. This isn't really too different to using any assembler, really. This is uh, assembly language. But it's so like, this, dude, you know, they have running water now. They've got like silverware and air conditioning. So yeah, it's like. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the important thing to know is that every every other programming language that you use, it's it's um. At the at the base of it, it has to somewhere along the line run this sort of code. 
it has to be interpreted. Yeah, back yeah, down. yeah. And, so and this, is, this is the raw code. This is the, this is what the computer sees. Mm -hmm. Whether you're running at the latest uh, Pentium or whatever, uh, there will be assembler code, which is the only thing it understands. That is the the the, the, the language of the assembler. Where I think running, Stevie's more hinting at the uh, editor. <laughs> yeah, the editor. Oh well, the editor. I mean, there will be flashier ones. Yeah. Um, but the, every editor assembler still has to have a label, command, parameters. Right. The source code is going to look the same, but just it's still uh, going to look very much the same. But yeah. you know, as I said, one thing I really hate, and I wish um, Robert could actually modify in this assembler, is to put a uh, screen-based editor rather than that. The yeah. old school line editor, but hey, well, you know, uh, luckily we're uh, we're all used to, well, generally we're all used to that sort of editor because that's yeah. the default basic anyway. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, now, there's our. Yep, sorry. Is there anything you have to do for that text other than just having it there as "Hello World"? You don't have to wrap quotes around it or do anything else to let us know that that's. Uh, uh, hang text? on, let me just. I'm just wondering if um, no, I don't think there is. And what did FCC stand for again? Form con constant characters, I think it means. Okay. In other words, you put a string. You, you type a string of uh, of text. Okay. So that's what what yeah that that part of it is. So j just winding back. So we've just we've said what org is. We've got the entry label. Then we 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 load the X register to point to the start of the text, which is why I say load x with the immediate value of text which mm -hmm. is we load the y register with the place it's going to effectively post start poking the text so in this case the top of the um text screen under basics normal green screen is is 1024 and we load b with the number of characters it's going to to do in other words we're, the four next loop is, is is one to eleven, for example, in basic. So we've got those three variables set up: x, y, and b. Then we do the actual loop itself. So I have another label called loop to signify the start of the loop. Then I say load the a register, the the other uh, register, with what's in x. In other words, in this case, it'll load up the character h whatever the ASCII value of H is, it then stores A into Y, into the location 1024, just that was loaded into Y just prior. Uh, and both of those commands, load A and store A, have got load A with X plus, store A into Y plus. So in other words, once it's loaded those values, they increment. X is automatically incremented. So basically it's getting it ready for the next character. If I didn't have those, I would then have to add a command later uh, after these two lines saying increment the X and increment the Y. Right. Man, you know, so let me ask you two dumb questions because at this point now I know enough to be dangerous with what I think I understand. So okay. because the X register is 16 bits, will it take two letters at a time to load in there or is it no, still no, only no, going to load the not H? loading into x we're not loading into x we're loading into a which is an 8-bit value okay x is pointing to something so okay so, so the x register is where the yeah 
So it's pointing to a 16-bit address, and that address is wherever the okay. word... Okay, so, so A and B are still one byte at a time. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. 8 bits. So, okay. yeah. X and Y are being used as index registers, so they're pointers. Index registers, okay. yeah. I'm trying to avoid all the uh, terminology without, you know, I'm just trying to keep it really simple. So right. X is pointing to the start of, of the hello world. Y is pointing to the start of the screen. B is the number of characters it's going to do this loop for. And I've got the order. Right. So the, the load A is going to load in the the value eight. of the character. Yes. And then so store store A is going to store it on the screen. It's going to write screen. it to the screen. So That's it's like right. peeking and poking. That's and right. Now, could this have been con concocted into a transfer or to, to make it a little bit more efficient? Or does, that, does a transfer not include uh, auto increment? A transfer? What do you mean a transfer? Well, Steve Bjorks went over that last week. Again, I, I know enough to be asked dangerous questions. We, we covered a transfer Trans command that uh, uh, sometimes transfer. saves a step. Yeah, transfer only transfers between registers, so it wouldn't registers, actually store anything. Yeah. In okay, okay, gotcha. Oh, All right. If I wanted to, to move what the contents of A have into B, I would do a transfer. Oh, okay, so that's, but that's not going to, you can't transfer it to the screen. No, it doesn't write okay. to RAM. Gotcha. Transfer okay. register to register only. That's gotcha. right. So you load A from what X is pointing to, and with that A, you then store that into what Y is pointing to. And, and X and Y have been incremented to the next one in preparation for the next byte. Right. And the next command is to decrement B. So B has been previously loaded with 11. Right. Now we're going to go down to 10. And, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a four next loop counter basically. Yeah. Basically, that's all it is. That's right. I mean, if if I have a, a varying levels of text, you know, I'm, obviously this this loop is only set to run eleven characters. But what if I have various text lines that are all of different lengths? I would I would do a a, a different approach. I might put a specific value at the end of that text, like a zero, for example. And then my program would load the, the text. If it's not zero, then go back and do the loop. All right. So that's like your end of end of yeah, so end of data delimiter. Yeah. I'm just doing it very simple and just going for mm -hmm. a fixed value of eleven since we've only got this one one line to do. So once it's it's done that eleven times, it'll have grabbed the whole hello world, uh, the whole eleven characters, dumped them to the top of the screen. Uh, it then goes to that lockup line, which, uh, well, so the CPU That's an, knows. It's an infinite loop, basically. It, yeah. it just locks it up. Otherwise, it'll just keep running and it'll just go nuts. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's one of the problems, of course, uh, that a lot of people have with um, assembly language is that, that they write their program. It all looks good, but they don't realize that, okay, the, pro the CPU does not stop. It keeps going. So it goes through and tries to interpret whatever other bytes are following, which we don't know what they are. Uh, it'll just uh, crash. Question, question, Nick, could you just do an RTS there? Does that come back to basic okay? Um, I, I think it does, yeah, if you, if you do do that. But, I'm yeah, I'm trying to avoid having to show the whole interfacing with basic and everything. We could do okay, that. Yeah, I just couldn't remember if that worked or not. So. Yeah, yeah, if you put yes. an RTS there, you could do an exec from basic, an exec hex. Want me to do that? Then if, if no, that's, that's fine. I, I get uh, it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yes, you not, yes. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Just curious, so, too. 
Uh, how much memory does that actually consume compared to three lines of basic code? Uh, it, the same thing. it actually probably consumes a bit more, but in basic code, you also have to have the basic interpreter. How big is the basic interpreter? Yeah, 8K. Yeah, so, that's right. This, yeah. this doesn't need basic or anything. This is all it needs to put the word, hello, the writing hello world up there. Whereas basic doesn't work without a basic interpreter in there in the first place. And that's what, is it 12K or 16K or whatever it is. Um, so it is very um, economical. It's only using whatever number of bytes this code needs. Uh, in the whole 64k space. Um, if I want to, if I assemble that, I use the A command, and uh, I don't want it to assemble the code as yet. I'll, I'll say uh, assemble uh, no object. Object is the actual assembled code, the, the object. The code. actual bin file. The, the bin file itself. So I, I won't do that just yet. Um, I'll just assemble to the screen so you can see what the full dis, uh, assembly looks like. So assemble with no object does this. Now, you can see the lines that we typed after the number, after the line numbers there. See, see there's a few extra tabs, uh, t columns inserted yeah. on the left now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the columns on the left have the address and then there's the uh, instruct, well, you, you see up to four bytes uh, following, uh, for example, the entry load X with text is AE6013 yeah. are, the, are, are the instructions. And that's the actual the, machine language. That's the actual uh, 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 machine language. That's machine language there. That's not assembly language. Assembly is what you're seeing after the, uh, the line numbers of 100 onwards. That's the assembly language. The, the, the new stuff that has appeared that's on the left is the machine language. So when, when you're programming, you're not actually programming in machine language as such. You are programming in assembly language, which is the more English-like version of the machine language. So, you know, you can straight, straight off see on that very first uh, second line there with entry, which is easier to learn to use. To, to program in the, using the words entry LDX text or AE6013. Oh, obviously the hexadecimal is so much more that's efficient. That's right. That's right. The, uh, not, not, <laughs> that's right. That's so, less typing. I mean, unless, unless you've, you, you're not, you've got a brain that knows how to interpret all the numbers, you know that AE stands for load X. And 6013 is the actual address uh, that's it's loading into X. So if you look carefully at that that first line, for example, look, it says 86013. Now, go down to the line that's uh, on the left, on the extreme left, goes down to 6013. And yeah. you see that is the start of hello world so in other words i'm loading x with 6013 which is where text is now yeah. i have got a, a an error there uh on uh that says uh missing information so i think i do need to <laughs> i do need to put a um i think a um uh, hang on code or slash yeah. or something some sort of delimiter 
Yeah, yeah, you need a delimiter to tell the assembler that, that that's text. So I'll just add that in and it will make more sense then. So we go in, we use a fantastic uh, editor that we have You're here. just space barring your way through? I'm just space barring it. And then I so, to insert? Uh, yeah, yep. yeah. So yeah, this is yeah. exactly like the, the basic editor. Extended basic, yeah. Yeah, when I say right. editor, I'm going to be using quotes here. Editor. They called it an editor. <laughs> All right. So, so now you're going to try to assemble it again with the slash no. A slash no. Yeah. So there it is. So I had to put the slashes on, uh, on okay. the end. Yeah. So that the assembler knows that the text part is in, in between those two. Different assemblers may use different um, things in there. I will that, mention one thing on the slash no option. There's other options you can do too. Um, basically, yeah. use that to do a quick assembly in memory only, just to make sure you don't have errors. Because if you're well, running it to disk every time, especially a floppy, it takes a while for it to actually write because floppies are slow. It does. So this, it, it's much and easier I to use, do it this way. Uh, you can also use uh, we assemble wait on error. So when an error, if it's a big long listing. You can have it automatically pause, so pause. that you don't okay. miss it. And you can you can also say, um, well, no object because we don't want it to make the code yet. And also, what I use a lot, especially when your listing is long, is say no list. So they're the that, that, that's what I use. And like what um, Curtis was saying, if I do that, it just comes straight back and says tells you the number of errors that are there. So okay. it's a quick way of seeing if if if, if my uh, code is. Hi. This last chunk is called a symbol table, which is basically what it tells yeah. you what your labels are all getting assigned. So in this case, the label entry is getting assigned 6,000, which was what the start of the program is. Yeah. Lockup is the address of that infinite loops so at 6,010 in hex. And then the other ones, so et cetera, et cetera. We don't enter that. That's the assembler telling us what the address is of all the labels. So you can even suppress that, actually. Assemble. Uh, let's see. This is what I normally do. Assemble. Um, no object. I want to do a no. slash FTW, F the no world, list. and don't see anything. <laughs> no. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Assemble. Yeah, well, that'll do it. And that's it. Just comes back and says zero errors. And that's handy when you have a big, long listing. It, it, it makes the assembly so much quicker. Um, I can have you know, a thousand lines in there, and it only mm -hmm. takes... It only takes, say, 30 seconds to do uh, a thousand lines. But if I listed them as well, well, it just it's a bit slower there. Sure. And you did that for Popstar Pilot, didn't you, for one of your, one of your preview sure. videos where you actually had the source code scrolling by on the screen? Yeah, yeah, you see the whole thing going. Yeah, so. yeah. So there's um, our program. Okay, let's, let's execute it. Engage, number one. Well, well, we can't execute yet. That's the assembler. We've got to make the, um, the actual code. So now we can say assemble and give it a name, and we'll just call it test. Assemble test. And you don't have to put dot bin at all. No. So it's assembled it. If I uh, if I look at my disk, and that's an extra command that um, Robert Goltz added called V uh, for drive letter zero. So there's the files there's on your my test disk. bin. Okay. So test there's bin. my test bin. That's right. So that's okay. a program. It's now compiled it. It's made it into machine language. So, but what I'll also do here, in case I need to come back to that, I'll write the source code, what I just typed, the assembly code. I'll write that out as well. 
And so that creates in, like a uh, .asm file? Yes, that's right. Yes. So if I look at my disk now, I now have Okay. Test and so if you needed to pull that back up again into your editor, there it is. I can load test ASM. Yeah, that's right. Or gotcha. load test. So, yeah. So now, here's, in machine here's, language. In let me ask you a quick language. dumb question. If you were to yep. exit out of this, would it prompt you to save before quitting? No, no, no. So you got to be, you got to remember <laughs> to do that. <laughs> that's old school. Screw that's you. School. Screw that's you. Right. You that's didn't need that. That's only for you young pups. That's right. This is only for real men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we can get out of the assembler now, back to basic, and we can actually say load M test. And there it is. And I'll just clear the screen so we don't have all the um, disk extended basic text up there. So I'll just clear it. I'll just move down a bit because we told it to print in the extreme top left. Mm. Yeah. And we didn't tell uh, it to clear the screen first. So it's no, we didn't leave do that. We've just kept it to the raw basic. So exec, hello world. Hello world. Now the, the black is because, yeah, it, it's... um Because it's it, doing the decimal. The yeah. Yeah. Paul, yeah, Paul, yeah. Paul Fiscarelli covered this. Yeah. Because it's basically yeah. poking the value it's to the screen. The and value, 30, yeah. yeah. The yeah, lower, so the the lower ones are... that's the character, not the ASCII character. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you'd have to incorporate something to test. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we did that. He, yeah, he Rob, did that. We, I'm we, not going to worry about that. But you can see our program wrote Hello World. And see how fast it was? Do yeah. that, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not um, going to see much difference there, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> Zero, CLS, colon, print Hello World. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so much uh, faster. We, uh, <laughs> we've just created a uh, assembler program. Yeah. Um, I'll just reset my VCC. Right, because now your um, infinite loop is going on there. And yeah, and you break out with the reset button. Up, yeah. yeah. So honestly, that Edtasm does not completely suck. I was concerned about it. No, so having no, no, having no, no, used uh, Notepad++, you're a little bit spoiled, but it doesn't oh. completely suck. And no, one of it's my, usable. If, yeah. if you use BASIC, then really it's the editor is you know, the same as that, but... Yeah, uh, definitely a proper like it, um, a Notepad plus plus with its screen editor and all the colors and all that yeah. is going to be better. But that's why I stay old, old school, so I don't get spoiled. <laughs> well, here's another here's another challenge too. When you, especially on a bigger program like Popstar, and you go to assemble this now, the CPU that's doing the assembly is your sixty eight oh nine, and and so now the time it's going to take to assemble the code into the binary file is going to take longer than if you'd done it on a cross assembly obviously right so yeah i get it well, that's right you're you're using a uh, 1.79 megahertz cpu as opposed to a uh, three gigahertz uh, cpu on a pc running an emulator of course um but for example popstar pilot the source code on that which was quite large mm -hmm. um took the entire source file which, which was about seven thousand lines when i assemble that um and write to disk it's it's created the binary in it's under a minute oh really it's, it's, yeah yeah because i suppress the listing okay now, you know all it's doing is assembling you're it just doing it yeah you, okay That's right. it only takes a minute and it assembles to my well i've got a coco sdc so it's a bit faster in writing sure, that. Sure, sure. Or if I have DriveWire, um, drive which wire, I do, I, drive I can wire. assemble to a DriveWire drive if I want. 
Right. Yeah. Um, so it, it does it much the same. So yeah, seven thousand lines takes about a minute to. That's uh, not terrible. Uh, That's not terrible. Jason has his terrible. hand up. Yeah. Uh, Jason, yep, far away. Okay, this this package that you're uh, using uh, now is this is a commercial package. Now is it is it something that's still available? Yes. yes. Yeah. If you contact Robert Galt, I haven't got his um, contacts at the moment, but I can get them to you. He sells the assembler. And it's basically the old um, Tandy's Discad Edtasm that's been heavily patched to have one disk I.O. to support 80 column or 40 column screens. Uh, it's got support for 6309 um, instructions. Um, it has a lot of other extra um, codes in there. There's a few other enhancements, like it uses a, a, a 28-line dis, uh, display. Because um, It runs I at the full 2 megahertz, too, too, right? And it runs yeah. at 2 megahertz as well. Uh, well, 1.79 megahertz. So it's, a, it, it's as fast as I can get it uh, that you can basically get without having to go in and optimize the code. Right, itself. and this, this does require a Coco 3, though. So even if you were going to write something for a Coco oh, 1 yeah. or 2, you would still have to write on the Coco uh, 3, right? Actually, yeah, well, the, there's no 80-column uh, display on the Coco 1 yeah. or 2, is there? Yeah. 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 But I think the program still can be made to use the 32-column screen. I'm, so okay. Work, but, yeah. I, and I'll, just, I'll just mention as an aside here, too, the, um, you know, Nick's talking about how long it takes to com assemble a large program. If you're using the OS 9 assemblers, there's two main ones. There's ASM and there's RMA. And they, it's the same thing. If you do a listing... It definitely slows down, even if you're redirecting it to a file to look at later. Uh, if you just do assembling without the listing, it runs pretty quick. The relocatable macro assembler, which is the advanced level two one, actually lets you assemble. Like you can have your code in multiple chunks if you're doing a really large program, and you can actually. It's smart enough to know not having to reassemble every chunk if you didn't change anything there. So if you only change one small part of your program, say it's divided into five parts, it only has to physically reassemble that one part. And then it just kind of merges the whole thing together, so it goes much, much faster on fast projects, more like a modern assembler. Right. Uh, hey, when you have a when you have a long listing, how do you pop? Deserve. I uh, just like it basically use the shift at. Shift at. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wondered uh, about but, that. But but it, it it lists only a page at a time if you want uh, the p command, for example. Like pause only, after each only, screen. Yeah, it, it'll pause after every screen anyway. So that's how you can go through and look. Uh, this, this is only a small listing. We don't. Quite I mean, see. I would imagine by the time you've already done your editing, seeing the source code in the assembly part is not that important because you've already spent all your time banging out the code in the editor, right? So it's almost non-essential yeah. to see the code scroll by as you assemble. No, no, it's of no interest to me. Yeah. And actually, that's one thing I'm, I'm going to be writing to Robert to see if he can make the default uh, when you do an assembly, like... Uh, I'll do a no object because I don't want it to write any, any code. Assemble no. The default is to list and yeah. to show the symbol table. I would rather if you can do an A, enter, and the default is no listing, no object, you know, so I can just do an right. A. So you want your default, you press one my key and you get the fastest that, possible assembly exactly, option available uh, to you. That, that's, that's my next uh, suggestion to Rob. Yeah, Paul. no, that makes sense. Because, that makes complete you know, sense. If I want to compile, when I'm ready to do an actual compilation, compilation, I'd rather do a slash, um, I don't know, what, oh, whatever at the end of it. So, you know, you're telling it to do uh, assemble. Oh, sorry, no. 
uh, assemble slash P, say, to print as well, for example. I want it to be an option to actually choose the uh, the printing, which I don't do that often. I just assemble, check it, write it to disk, and then I just exit and run my code. Um, we, we mentioned earlier um, with Simon, he, he brought up the fact that um, there's also Zbug, which is mm -hmm. a, a debugger as well. I, I never use that. But you can actually jump from here to Zbug, look at your code, set break, uh, set up breakpoints and all that sort of stuff like a normal debugger. So, um, but I, I never use that. I'm I'm very old school. Uh, actually, that, that that's not true because Edtasm is an old school program with the Zbug. I, I was just uh, too stupid to learn it, I suppose. But um, I, I tend to uh, write my code, assemble it, write it out, and save the source code, and then I run it. If there's a problem, I'll just go back in, bring up the source code, and then I nut it out just looking at the code without any debugging tools. Yeah, I do, I do see some value in that output where it showed you where your error was. It said you yeah, had an error, exactly. and the error was in 6013, and so you knew where it was. Exactly. Um, so that's definitely useful. And I'm not sure if uh, it allows single stepping as well, like uh, the the more fancy debuggers. Debug, I believe, does yeah. T oh, does it? Okay, yeah. So there are uh, there are other tools in there for anyone who's used to a debugger, but uh, yeah, I I I'm stupid, so I that's as far as I got. So. Yeah, I think Simon's had his hand up. Did you did you have something uh, yeah. you wanted to add, Simon? Yeah, no, no, actually, I, uh, I just wanted to show Nick something. If I could share my screen just for a moment. Yeah, I'll unshare. Hang on. Uh, that's all. We don't want to see any anything more. Is that the end of this? Um, well, if you could have uh, the the uh, two layer gimme going on here, that'd be nice. So <laughs> I'll unshare so Simon. <laughs> yeah, two hundred fifty six color hello world too. While we're at it, okay. Yeah, there what, you go. what do you poke for two hundred fifty six colors? That's a poke <laughs> poke color comma two five five. <laughs> go ahead, Simon. Sorry. Away you go, Simon. Yeah. Uh, uh... Sorry, there you go. There you go. This is the sharing episode. Sharing is caring. All right, so See, this is Simon's editor. <laughs> no, see, Nick, that's not, Nick, that's not too far away from where you are. No, no, it's, that's right. It is still, I mean, assembly language is assembly language. There is, there is a syntax. So yeah. it's, it, that's. Yeah, it doesn't matter what editor you're using. It's, no, no, no. So uh, we were talking about we were actually talking about um, editor assembler and Zbug, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Zbug. So let me just because um, I use if I use um, is yeah. this eighty columns by the way here, Simon? Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. It's whatever, it's whatever you make it, Stevie. <laughs> so yeah, seriously. Um, but talking about Zbug and stuff like that, if I just find something here. Um, and by the way, for those who have, uh, Steve Bjork has mentioned a few times in the live chat, because we're talking about Hello World right now, and um, Paul Fiscarelli is also showing Hello World. When Steve gets into his code segments, he, we're going to start off, he says, by, by making a game. He has mentioned that before, and um, he just put that in the chat, too. So um, just when we, when we get to Lesson 11, we will be starting um, game stuff, too. Yeah. Uh, Hello World is a... Is, is a good one to start off with because you, you basically <laughs> learn a few of the basic things. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. In this case, you saw the looping structure. I mean, 
there's a lot more things that can be done, but as an introduction to get a feel for what programming and assembler is, that sort of covers it in a nutshell. Yeah. The all statement, the end statements, uh, producing a loop, the labeling, the, the, the layout of the tabs. It's, 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 it's a good way of just showing an introduction. Were yeah, you and, show and it gives the... you an immediacy too because you get to see the screen do something. Where if you go to Lavin yeah. Leventhal's book, it's all you have to use ZBug because yeah. basically yeah. you're trying to dump registers to see what an ad did or something like that. So I think Nick has scared me to OS nine now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll start the OS nine assembly tutorial a little bit later, but uh... yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is the original EdTasm, huh? Sign this is the cartridge one. Where, where did all that shit just pop up on the screen from? This is like auto-typing? What's going on here? Well, yeah. he hit Z first to go, or Z first to go into Zbug, which actually, if you just single step through, is a disassembler, basically. So it's actually showing you what code exists at the memory location you start at. Which is uh, the basic ROM. Oh, yeah, so you're stepping through memory. Okay, so C00, yeah, yeah. that's where the that's basic the cartridge ROM is. It's actually looking at EdTASM itself. Or EdTASM, rather, yeah. Oh, it's so C this is yeah. actually looking through RAM. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, ROM is, in this case, but yeah. yeah. So the extreme right. left column is the memory location. Yeah. So if you wanted like um, the original color basic. Yeah. At A00, yeah. So yeah. this is where the ROM starts. Yeah. yeah. If you wanted to see what was in that, you could actually do word mode. Not gives you hex dump. And that's showing you the actual machine language. Yeah. So you can do ASCII hex dump. ASCII mode. Oh, so wow. That's if you're trying to dump text chunks of a program. And so this I can see already. This would be so much better in some type of GUI format where the text is, you know, is available. Is this how you like save the RAM out to a bin file? If no, this want, is just for yeah. looking at it in, in different ways. You can disassemble it. You can dump a, the hex dump. You can dump it as ASCII, depending on what part you're looking at. So here's a, here's a hypothetical question, which I think I know the answer is yes to. So you, could you write a basic program to start, like we're starting this ROM, the C000, and you peek in a value, and you based on whatever that value is, you could actually translate that into machine code or assembly just by doing a lookup table on what yep. byte is stored and what the mnemonic yeah. is for it. Yeah, so there you, are you basic could, disassemblers actually out okay. there. Okay, so you could you could write a program to read through RAM or ROM and and figure out what's there and visually display it for you. Yes. yes. Yeah. And there are ones that already exist if you wanted to look at them. Yeah. No, it all starts to come together when you understand registers and memory and what all this crap means, right? So. I love it when a plan comes together. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you see, Nick, I just made I just made a tiny little. Um, tiny little program in EdTASM. Right. So this is what Zbug looks like in EdTASM. And no, this is, this is actually the, the editor. Oh, it's you're actually editing editor. right now. Yeah, the yeah, first I, letter you see on the screen, or first character you see in the line, that tells you which, which one you're in. A number sign, you're in the Zbug debugger. The star, you're in the editor. Mm, okay. That's three states, I think. There's a third one, I think. So I just, I just done this... Um, which basically, in the cartridge version, and uh, Nick done an infinite loop to to stop him 
crashing out. I, on the cartridge version, you just used uh, software interrupt. Now, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think I, I could have used that as well. It does have the uh, SWI command as well. Yeah, so what I want to do is assemble in memory absolute origin. That went fairly quickly. So Yeah, it's only one instruction. Is this what Simon is Simon? Is this what you use when you work on your mad stuff? Do you use Edtasm or are you using something else like LWASM or something? I use LWASM. Crazy. Did you hear that? He's not that mad. But but right now we've assembled one instruction to free F zero zero. So I can just in Zbug look. Okay, I've assembled this WI. Okay. Yeah. So Z. Hitting the Z key puts them into the Z bug mode, which is the number sign, but you can tell you're in Z bug, and then you can single step through. And at 3F00, he just assembled a program that did a software interrupt SWI, and now yeah. it's showing the result of it. Here's the actual disassembled version that shows SWI. So if you wanted to, if you wanted to single step through something, say something in like uh, basic, or sorry, uh, Edtasm cartridge itself, you could go like C000 and then a comma. And it says, I can't continue. No, you can't because you're in ROM. That's why it can't continue. It can't continue running its own ROM. But you can single step a program and you can just do like stuff like uh, R for registers. There's your A register, your B register. And this actually shows you what's in the register, huh? Currently, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's basically the debugger, the part that Good. I didn't uh, learn. That's why my programs are so buggy. <laughs> so if you do this for a while is it possible for you to just like freak out and stir it up bug at the on the wall or something and just kind of yeah, 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 of yeah, course yeah. And then the more you stare at it you start to see blonde yeah. brunette redhead so um, yeah. Yeah. and then eventually you'll start to see ants coming out of your C64 <laughs> well, like everything I mean if you if you use something enough, you get used to the environment. So, uh, assembly language may look very foreign to someone who has never seen it before. But uh, once you get in there and understand what things are, it then starts to look familiar after that. Yeah, it's kind of like basic that way. Because basic at first, I mean, it's more English obviously than than assembly languages. But it you'll you'll look at some of those instructions like four. What the heck does that mean? Yeah, and then eventually you figure out it's a four next loop. Yeah, you guys, this is what's happening while uh, you guys are doing your stuff. What is happening? Are you glitching us? No. Are you? What are you doing? You're looking at Zoom on your phone. No. Um. When when he's doing the um. The Edtasm stuff. That's what's going on on the side. It's like a stuttering video. Hmm. <laughs> and what are you seeing that on? You seeing? Yeah, I don't know where you seeing that. It was on. next to the um, green screen when he had the um, the editor up. Okay, so I mean, is that did you just take that picture with your phone? You recorded yeah, it directly I on your phone. Took it with my phone because ah, it was okay. Next to it, it was a little bit distracting, but it was interesting to see. Okay, um, Curtis Boyle doing a dance. Well, that was some people's <laughs> minds just starting to explode from all the information. It was inf information overload. Yeah. Yeah, um, probably well, there yeah, adding. no, that's so it's definitely interesting. I have never seen Ed Tasm before. I've heard about it and um, it, it didn't suck. It definitely didn't suck. It was just a little bit. I'm, I'm a little bit spoiled because my first editor happens to be Notepad++. 
But um, one of the things I was trying to deliberate on is if I'm going to be basing something on the Barden book, and the Barden book is so heavily in bed with Ed Tasm and, and Zed Bug, how do yes, I how do I ignore that? And maybe I won't. Maybe I will force myself to go through the Barden book, and I'll try to get a better version of Ed Tasm though. It's not as if you're writing any big programs, I suppose. In that book, right. Yeah, they're probably all small so, examples, right? Yeah, Tasm's fine, you know, in yeah. its most simplest way with having to learn so many other things. You can then always move up. Yeah, um, oh, yeah, because I've, I've already got the environment set up. Yeah, I mean, I mean so. it's still very similar. All the, all the environment is still very similar regardless of which assembly you use. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, there's different, a few different features in each one, of course. Right. Uh, but basically, assembly language is assembly language. That's right, you know, right, right, right. Like that part saying, I get. Yeah, that's right. Basic is basic. Assembly is assembly. You know, there's just that's that's how they are. Yep. Well, that was cool. Thanks for sharing that. And so we ended up having an assembly coding segment. Well, I think Anyways, it is. Yeah, so that's good. Steve wasn't there. I thought, oh, well, we need a core dumper topic, so let's make that. There we go. So <laughs> <There> <laughs> commercial dump. <laughs> my, my core has been dumped. All right, good stuff. All right, we'll take another commercial break, and we'll yeah. come back. Uh, I think Ron has to go potty. Oh, All right, yeah. just tie a knot in it, Ron. So, <laughs> We're loaded up. We'll be back in just a minute, folks. Thanks, everybody. Hey there, I'm Marco Rolzer, and you're watching Coco Talk. What's going on, everybody? Stevie Stroh, and I want to say thank you for continuing to watch and listen to Coco Talk. We love doing this show. We think we put together a pretty good show for you, but this show could be better with your help. So if you would like to send a feedback, a comment, a suggestion, a show topic, or maybe even your own little segment or bumper, then send it to us via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. This show would be nothing without you. Love to hear from you. In a world where hard drives rule and floppies are crap. One man. One legend. One old fart. Dared to learn the floppy. This is for the podcast people. And took the brunt of the jokes. Then... EMP. Dad gave me my first shortwave radio from Radio Shack. What memories. This Christmas, we got our son's color computer three from Radio Shack. It hooks right up to our TV and was on sale for less than $130. The color computer three makes learning fun. Jimmy even lets me use it for word process. When he isn't playing computer games. Lucky I still got my shortwave. Save $70 on the sale-priced color computer three. Only at Radio Shack. We now return you to Coco Talk. 
And we're back. Thank you, Speech Sound Pack. All right. So we managed to talk about some things. We talked about, uh, do you still have your original color computer? We talked about when did you get into the cocoa? Did you, did you enter in late? Did you get in on the ground floor? And then we had a spontaneous Ed Tasm moment. <laughs> I don't know if it was a moment. It was a segment. So, yeah, Ed Tasm has been slightly demystified. It's not as daunting as one maybe would have previously imagined. It's, you know, and if you worked on the disk extended color basic and you worked on uh, extended basics editor, it looks like it's almost the same, right? I for insert, X yep. to get to the end, space bar to tap one one character over at a time. Could you hit like five space and jump five spaces over? Would it do that kind of stuff too? I think it does. Do you remember, Nick? Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I might give that a try in the background here. And I'll yeah. So, yeah, so if you're familiar with that editor. I think it does, no. I think you've got to use So it's tab. just single space. But you're, you're looking well, at, you're not looking at a lot of information. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Oh, you could you hit the right arrow key to jump over to the, the right next tab arrow. stop? It keeps all your columns in nice vertical rows. Okay. So I've always liked that, the, the nice okay. clean. Yeah, okay. So Ed Tasm. Kids, yeah, ask your bad, doctor yeah. if edtasm is right for you. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> if you experience edtasm for more than four hours. Yes, yes. You may need it surgically removed. Tom C. said we had an edtasmic dump. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said. Yes. And we Simon's got... Simon's is called madtasm. Madtasm. <laughs> and, and now... People know after 30 years why I've gone mad. Yeah, right. I'd still like to know where the wind sound is coming from. Some of us are muted, some of us aren't. I've been hearing this wind sound in the background the whole show. It's driving me crazy. It's driving me mad. So, uh, there you go. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. So, I do have a I do have an extra special bonus clip for us to show. Post, post, post credits today. Um, a little something extra just for the folks at home. We've been going on this for two and a half hours now, and it's probably time to put us all out of our misery, but we're going to save some of this energy. We're going to save some of this edtasmic energy for hopefully an after dark later this evening. I'd like to squeeze in some group Dungeons of Daggerath playing this evening for those who are up for it. 9 p.m. Eastern time, same channel, new time, later time. Um... And before we start to wrap things up and you get to see the extra special post, post, post closing information, anybody have any parting thoughts, words of wisdom, things you want to share with the world before we start phasing out? Friday, talk about Tandy Assembly. Tandy Assembly, thank you. I always forget. I always, because I'm just ready to end this. <laughs> so, yeah, so, <laughs> so, yeah, let's do that real quick. How about we switch over to events? Thank you, Grant Leedy. That's why you were. Um, that's why you were described in the roundtable as being the real brains behind the show. Um, so, on our events, let us not forget Tandy Assembly, which is at tandyassembly.com, for those of you not aware, right? So, November 10th and 11th, 2018, in Springfield, Ohio. And um, you're going to be able to see these kids here hanging out, having a good time on their TRS-80 Model 1. Uh, the venue is at uh, the Marriott Springfield, downtown Springfield, Ohio. Uh, Lance Mikolas is not going to be there this year, though, is he? 
So we've got Stuart Chaffee, our headline speaker. We've got Mike, Yis uh, Mike Yetzko, a Tandy Radio Shack engineer. We've got uh, Jim McGinley. Is he one of the guys from Big Five? Um, what was it? Jeff, was it? Jim Jim McGinley from TRS-80 Games. So we got a bunch of people here. Thomas McLaren, the Tandy 600 fact. I don't even know what's Tandy. My first question would be, uh, what yeah. the hell is the Tandy 600? So, um, and that must be a, a portable convertible machine, right? The Tandy 600 was Tandy's last non-MS-DOS uh, machine. It was a, a clamshell-type computer, had a floppy drive, and it was an LCD screen. And it was like $2,500. It was kind wow. of cool. But um, nobody, you know, it didn't run MS-DOS, and it was right. a huge failure. So it was like a Model 100 on steroids, in a sense? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So portable and interesting, but just it's it did not last, huh? No, it, it was released way, you know, it was like the MC-10. It, 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 would have, it would have been a great hit if it was released a couple of years before. Yeah, yeah. A lot of exhibitors out here. Ian Maverick, Nick's neighbor in Australia. Everybody in Australia is Nick's neighbor, so you should know that, right? Peter Satinsky, Brendan Donahue, the Coco VGA Project, Eric Dittman showing off TRS-80 clones, Jason, the Coco Man Reichert of CocoMan.biz showing off the switcheroo and possibly an even newer top secret product. Who knows about that one? We got Jason Newworth of Newsoft. We got Thomas McLaren, Digital Dinos, Retail Appearance. Richard Lorbieski of Boisson Technology will be there. Uh, Fixing all of Jason's cables. And then we got Randy Kendig. <laughs> Eric Canales is going to be there with Tandy Computer Demos. Evan Wright, author of Flood It, showing off his text adventure development system. Windy Systems. Paul Fiscarelli, uh, color computer floppy disk tools and long branch never. Very, very cool. So we'll get to see his development environment. Hopefully he'll play his game. Uh, Neil Blanchard will be there. All right, Tandy 1000 TL3 and the Tandy Sensation. Jim O'Keefe will show off the TR City Model 1. Wrightveld Wrightveld, or sent from my phone, will be there. He's going to show off the Tandy Vision, which was Radio Shock's clone of the Intellivision. All right, Ken Edwards showing off Tandys and TRS-80s. Retro Innovations, Jim Brain. Peter Bartlett of Bartlett Labs and Malcolm Ramey and George and Peter Phillips and Cloud9. And Arno Pewter and Sasha Harboring. All right, those guys were there last year too, showing off their stuff. So we got speakers, we got all kinds of stuff, right? And how we're how far away are we? We're like pretty soon, right? Jim is not from weeks. Big Five, so Peter's still here. He's not from Big Five. Peter just says four weeks, three weeks, three weeks, three weeks, three weeks. Very three weeks. So very cool. So you guys want to make sure you get this is the second annual Tandy Assembly. If you missed it last year. Uh, it's your chance to see it this year. Thank you for reminding me, Grant, because I always forget. Oh, uh, to correct on the Tandy Vision, that was actually it wasn't a clone. It was actually the Intellivision with a Tandy it, label. Just a re, uh, uh, yeah, wrong choice of words, but a rebranded, OEM'd, relabeled in Intellivision. Yeah, it was it was labeled a POS uh, by the Depot <laughs> Repair people. <laughs> was was it um, manufactured in the same places as the uh, Intellivision? Yes. So Intellivision just made the two boxes and put two different stickers. They put their sticker on one and Tandy's on the other. That was it. 
Okay, so Tandy didn't even assemble it. No. No, they just had it OEM'd for them, and they put it on their shelves. Yeah, and all they did is they warrantied it, and they had palletfuls of Intellivisions or the Tandy Visions. I had I had actually vi- uh, visited their repair depot in Fort Worth. This is in March of '83, and yeah, they had palletfuls of them. And, wow. I mean, it's because it says Tandy on it. It would be nice to have in your collection, you know? Right. And apparently, Reitveld, Henry Reitveld, he's got one and it works. And so it's kind of cool. Uh, there is a speech synthesizer for it that actually sounds halfway decent. And there is a game for that. It's called Bomb Threat, which is a kind of tie into the Rick Adams Coco game. So there's a whole Tandy full circle thing going on here with the fact that Radio Shack sold it and there's a Bomb Threat game on there. So um, kind of cool. Uh, it was dark yeah. brown, Nick Marotta says. <laughs> it, had wood, it had a wood green finish or something, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. What's that, Chad? Tandy actually had a lot of rebranded gear. A lot of uh, the uh, pocket computers were actually rebranded Sharp. Yeah, true, true. Even their mid-drive VCRs were rebranded uh, Sharp VCRs as well. Okay. The realistic brand ones. And there were a few other things as well. I just can't think of them right now. Well, the Model 100, too, was not made by them. Their first portable system. Who made that? Kyocera. Yeah. Interesting. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. All right. Thank you for reminding me, Grant, to plug Tandy Assembly. My bad. I do apologize. Uh, what else? Closing thoughts. Parting thoughts. Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? What about the, uh, have you talked about the voting results yet? I don't know what the voting results are. Are they out? For the Glenn side? Yeah. Yeah, they've oh. been out. Uh, have they been? is now the new president. How, how do we see that? Is that on TandyList.com or something? Uh, uh, no, I was, no, I was, was at meeting. the meeting. I survived the... Uh, oh, you survived <laughs> the meeting. Yes. Did you get? Did you have a t-shirt? And yes, I did. <laughs> purple heart or anything to go along right. with that? Yeah, uh, it's... Uh, yeah, John Linville is the president, and uh, Tony is the vice president. Tony Pedraza. Pedraza. I thought he was not even in the running. No, he, he decided to run as vice president. Ah, ah. Was, you know what was I was him. thinking? You know what I was thinking, too, is that, um, again, it's this is an afterthought, but, you know, you had, like, John and Eric Canales uh, running for president, but it almost would have been, like, the, the two candidates who were running for president should have possibly also run for vice president, too. So that way, like, let's say, you know, the one who didn't make president could still potentially have had a chance to be the vice president or something. But I don't know how that trickle down economics things works. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So so because uh, I thought that John Mark Mobley was also in the running for vice president. And um, all right. So the whole idea of getting new blood into <laughs> Glenside. Well, at least John is in there. But we still have some of the old blood. So it's not completely... Um, a complete revitalization, but even a partial one is probably still good, right? So, um, all right, so John is the official president. Okay, round of applause for John Linville. All right, uh, what else? What else was good at that meeting? Any other revelations? Did they upgrade their uh, thermal printer or anything like that? <laughs> no, <laughs> no there, there was a lot of discussion about uh, the future of the Cocoa Fest, what uh, you know, the 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 layout of the of the of the room. Uh, there was discussions about how to place vendors. Uh, and Maybe so, we were making it free. Yeah, making it free. Free you know, mission. Yeah, you know, but 
uh, again, it was all discussion and it was, you know, going to be brought up in future meetings. Okay. So. All right. Well, cool. Um, um, we have, we have, there's a little slice of revelation right there. That's cool. Yeah, we're we're in the right direction. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Grant. I said we're just we're starting to move in the right direction for modernization. Yeah. Wrong. One little bit of news I was going to throw in is, um, I guess Microware has put out a public downloadable version of the OS nine for current machines. Yeah, that James that. Jones and a few others have downloaded and started fiddling with. So I, I believe it's based on the OS nine thousand from way back when. But uh, and you can run that like in a virtual box or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Ron, were you going to say something? Yeah, it would be cool to see uh, someone bring up and use, um, you know, um, OS nine basic and fool around with it a little bit and see how it looks or works. I've no, I don't think I've I've probably brought it up, but never really did anything. Some with basic O nine tutorials. Yeah, just yeah. you know. Are you putting a hand up, Curtis? No, I, I am planning on doing that. I just I have to actually get some free time to actually yeah, start getting it set cool up. See it. Well, you've got you've got one potential viewer right now, so that's more yeah. than I would have expected you would have had. So, <laughs> <laughs> and Wayne Wayne Campbell will probably help a little bit with that too, uh, since he knows uh, even better than I do. And nah. there's also I want to do an OS nine assembly at some point as well. Yeah, that might be interesting for down the road. I I am definitely interested in Basic 09, but it's to me it's it would be a it would be a side step to learning assembly and assembly is to me is there's more value in learning that and that that's my like my bucket list item. Basic 09 was never on my bucket list. Yeah. It wasn't like when I was 14 said, "Man, I can't wait to learn that Basic 09." So <laughs> Basic 09 I view it it's a faster better version of Basic, but it's, yeah. it's also the easiest way to write programs for OS 9 Nitrous 9. You yeah. can do assembly and C and everything else, Pascal, Logo, whatever else under OS 9 as well. But it's one that at least people will have a beginning familiarity with being familiar with basic. Right, Earth. right. And you you had mentioned in the past, too, that you are working on things in ease of use where it's going to be you know, the underlying source code will be optimized and you've added more libraries for it to take advantage of some of the yeah. more GUI interfacing and stuff. So yeah. Uh, so the basic 09 for, uh, from ease of use will probably be the yeah, bestest, so that'll be the basis of the, the bestest one to date. Course, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Very cool. Anybody else got anything they want to um, uh, mention before we start the closing ceremonies? Richard, you want to give us an update on new uh, boomerang boards and how they're going out and <clears throat> are new ones available? Things like that. Oh, yeah, they're 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 available, and I'm still working on uh, doing the DAT board. Uh, replacements and i should be finished by the end of uh, next week i i just uh been sidetracked with the other stuff but yes everything is available and going going according to schedule Excellent. are you still getting new orders too or oh yes yes i'm definitely getting new orders so excellent excellent well, i also want to mention oh, go ahead steve go, you, no you go ahead <laughs> I was just going to mention, I, I did Snyder also mentioned on Facebook uh, because people were asking about how many Cocoa SDCs have been sold. And I guess it's well over 700, approaching 800 now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Yeah. We still have to get them out to a fest as a vendor at some point so people can yeah. actually ask them questions and things. But Yeah. And the funny thing is, is we say that because for our own selfish reasons, we want them there. But his lack of 
being there hasn't really hurt his business. <laughs> no, so, there's a lot of weird yeah. mouth going on there. So, but <clears throat> uh, it'd be nice for like some of his other newer products to show off. Like yeah, and just just to, to meet the, yeah, and just to meet the man in person, if nothing else, too. Uh, definitely. I mean, it's um, nice seeing Jim Brain when he's you know he's showing stuff that's not for sale yet, but he's been developing and kind of you know seeing what the yeah, look putting his ears the, out. You know how many yeah. people are interested in the twenty-five port MPI besides David Ladd. So yeah, right, right. All right, well, we're going to start phase one of the closing credits, but we've got a special post, post, post closing bonus clip for you guys today. So here becomes phase one. So get ready, folks. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. If you love the color computer like we do, then visit imacoconut.com for all your color computer links needs. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, visit the Patreon link on our site at cocotalk.live. Cocotalk would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Ladd. Nick Morentes, Rondell Vaux, Rick Adams, Jason Reichert, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Karen Anscombe, Simon Jonason, Wayne Campbell, Steve Batson, Brian Joyce, John Strong, and Barry Nelson. Special thanks to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and Brian Joyce for our best of episodes and bonus content. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its contributors. The Coco Crew podcast at cococrew.org. Glenside Color Computer Club, host of Coco Fest at glensideccc.com. Jim Brain and Retro Innovations at go, the number four, retro.com. Tandy Assembly at tandyassembly.com. Boyson Technologies at B-O-Y-S-O-N tech.com. Get your own switcheroo at cocoman.biz and Cloud9 Technologies at cloud, the number nine, tech.com. Coco Talk is hosted by Steve Strobridge. Co-hosts, technical directors, segment hosts and producers, Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Grant Leedy, Mark Overholzer, Ron Delvaux, and Jason Reichert. Production motivation, Steve Bjork. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Shalar. Mix, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever, people. And let's not forget a very special thank you to Roger Taylor for getting us on the Coco TV channel on Roku. The Three Muggeteers. The good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> Take your pick. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Nick Marota says, it introduced you to structured programming. Oh, what are we talking about? OS 9 or? Uh, Basic 09, yeah. Basic 09. Okay. There we go. Basic 09. So, yeah. So, the world needs its Basic 09. So, we'll have it. And uh, that would be, I'd, I would definitely like to do a version of Cosmic Aliens for Basic 09, but I would f much rather start working on some assembly before I do yep. that. But it's on my list, indubitably. Um, so how many of us will be able to do a, a, an After Dark later on tonight? Any, anyone? Anyone? I'll, I'll, be, I'll be listening. You'll be listening? Yeah, I've still got work. This is... I don't know, I've said this the last four weeks in a row here. It's going to be the last weekend of overtime, but I've actually uh, talked to all the individual people, uh, companies that I do work for, and it sounds like this is actually the last weekend. Okay. Excellent. Ron Delvaux, you're on. Joining. Yes, Grant. Uh, <clears throat> see my halo? 
<laughs> yes, I do. I do. It's, uh, it's a little bit better than the propeller hat. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, you almost look like a Roman warrior right now. You got the whole little gladiator thing, centurion thing going on. <laughs> Uh, well, food. he is it, Italian, right? And that's where Rome yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Grant, did you say you'll be able to make it tonight? Yeah, I'll be on tonight. Jason, is your hand still up, or did you just forget to put it down after? I think it's stuck. It's stuck. All right, I'm going to hit the lower hand button. All right, your hand has been lowered. All right. Chad, you going to be able to join us in a couple hours? Uh, possibly. It depends how smashed I am later. I'm supposed to be going to the markets. Okay. And Paul Friscarelli says he should be able to join us for an after dark. Diego says, I'll join you. Okay, so we got a couple people in the live chat who will be here. All right, cool. So, yeah, I would like to get a group Dungeons of Daggerath thing going. Could use some help, some coaching, some moral support, and we'll see if we can't make it to at least level four this time. Uh, we have the ability of saving along the way, which is nice. All right, cool. Phase two of the outro, also known as the blooper outtake. So enjoy these, folks. We'll be back here in just a minute. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there under protest. Huh. Under protest, okay. Jimenez, author of such projects such as The Speedy Throw Devil and the SD Pack. And you're watching Coco Talk. In three, two, go. I'm buying the making face. Okay. <laughs> you, you have a you're rolling, Curtis. You say whatever the hell you want to say. Well, give me some kind of guideline. Um, hi, this is Curtis Boyle. Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to Coco Talk. All right, we're rolling. You say whatever you want to say, David. Nation, world, sweetie, weekly, any computer, something like that. Hi, I'm Tim. Playing dagger is like that idiot from the book. You're watching Coco Talk. Thank you, David. No, get back up there for a second. Oh, come on. What? What? Let's, let's get some drive wire, TTL, no. ESP. No, we don't need any drive wire or TTL. <laughs> Hi, it's Chris Boyle, part of the uh, Coco Talk crew of people. Hi, we're on Delbo Timberman. I guess I'll to uh, experience Coco Fest. You must come. I brought the only working I couldn't get it. I couldn't get Ah. By certain someone you know. The world's leading weekly Coco Talk Show. Yeah, something like that. Hi, this is Rick Adams, and I'm the author of Temple of Brom, Shanghai, and now Bomb Threat, and you're listening to Stephen Stroke on Coco Talk. Eight slot MPI. You know, floppy drive, Coco SDC, um, sound speech pack, orchestra 90, RS-232 pack, modem pack, uh, super IDE. You start adding all those together if you want them all usable at the same time. Well, guess what? You just went over the four slot MPI. Lord have mercy. We don't want to go over that four slot MPI. And no truer words were ever spoken by... Uh, David Lyle. <laughs> so uh nick marota says i may join too nick marota nick marota nick marota also before we go let's acknowledge uh we still have 30 people holding strong this has probably been one of the most well received and tuned in shows rob inman's been here nick marota solstice chad cunnington nick marota nick marota solstice nick marota rob inman paul fiscarelli registration was here al hartman solstice Al Hartman, 
Chad Cunnington and uh, Nick Morota, Paul Fiscarelli, Al Hartman was in here. Who else was in here? All kinds of people were in here. Uh, registration. I'd like to know who that is. Kyle Eater was here. Paul Fiscarelli. Uh, Local H was here. Rob Inman was here. Chet Simpson was here. Um, Registration's probably from the DMV. Yeah. Al Hartman. Davey Mitchell, our friend from the UK. James Jones. Paul Thayer. Davey Mitchell. Uh, who else? Solstice. Tim Franklin. Paul Thayer says, uh, what's up, you knuckleheads? And he says he got his co- he got into the cocoa in like 1986. Um, Al Hartman. James Jones. Al Hartman. Tom C. from Jersey. Local H. Solstice. James Jones. Solstice. Local H. Tim Franklin. Nick Morota. Diego was here. Rob Inman. Nick Morota, local H. I think we're repeating ourselves now. Robin, Robin Inman, registration. Nick Steve Marentes. Bjork was here. Nick Morentes was here. Nick Morota, Paul Fiscarelli, Tim Franklin, Richard Lorbieski, Grant Leedy, Peter Satinsky of TR Sadie Trash Talkers was here today. Thank you for coming by, Peter. Steve Bjork was here. Ken Reichert, best known as the brother of Jason Reichert, was here. Um, all kinds of people in the live chat. It's just taking me forever to scroll through all this. So, Tim Franklin, Rob Inman, and let's not forget uh, Nick Morota. Let's all give a shout-out to the Coco Talk Orphanage where, you know, Cocos go to die. And Timmy. <laughs> Timmy yeah, Timmy's going to get his wheelchair. And now, what I have prepared for you guys is a special super-duper bonus clip. When you just can't get enough... Uh, David Ladd! Uh, I have a little something extra for you. And if you were wondering what David was up to today... David, what did you do today? Oh! I'm much happier breaking stuff. Okay, so he was at a McDonald's somewhere breaking the uh, milkshake machine. So let's watch this special super duper clip, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Actually, back in a text mode Really, are you recording this, Steve? Not at all, David. <laughs> So what I was thinking is that you'd have the... I like he was so oblivious to your trolling. That was pretty good. That was a little leftover from Coco Fest from this year. A little lobby talk there. And David's always on fire. Perfect. Yes, yes. Never loses his enthusiasm for acronyms. No, no, no. And nothing's going to stop that guy.
<laughs> so, David, we miss you. David Ladd. Maybe we'll get David on After Dark tonight. All right, guys. Anything else? Have we beat this one to death? All right. Yeah, I think, I think we're done. All right. So, Nick uh, Morentes, thank you for our ad hoc assembly today and our little crash course on Ed Tasm. That was cool. Uh, good stuff, guys. All right. So, we're, gonna, we're out of here. Thank you. Long live the Coco, Coco forever, and we'll see you tonight later on. Peace out and goodbye, everybody. Press the button, Frank. <laughs> and let's not forget uh, Rick Adams was here earlier today, too. Thank you. Yes, you're too kind, and thank you. All right, and we're out of here. Bye-bye now. Everybody say goodbye. Bye. Oh. Say, goodbye to, say, say goodbye to Nick Marotta. Say goodbye, Nick Marotta. Bye-bye. Nick Marotta. Goodbye, Nick Marotta. All right, we're pressing the button, Frank.